What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Ship Podcast, episode 97. Uh, today, I'm talking to a listener um, that reached out, wanted to be involved in some stuff. We actually worked on helping a, another junior sailor together, and that's how um, I got connected with him and then liked his, you know, his viewpoint on a lot of things when he shot me an email about that. And then, uh, it was a pretty easy <laughs> transition into dragging him out of the podcast. Um, but yeah, like we, he's a EOD chief, uh, that we get into some really, uh, cool stuff and, uh, stick around till, till the end, because that's towards the end is like, or like the latter half, um, is where we get into some really interesting stuff about, uh, how he went to NJP as a chief, what he learned from it, and how it kind of liberated him in his conduct of his job uh, as a chief and a leader, and um, like his ability to take care of his sailors without really having to worry about uh, like eval bullets and like progression and all this other kind of stuff. Um, and we, we get into all the nuances of that, but it's he he felt very um, just liberated from the normal path that a lot of people are on where he's just like, oh, all I got to do is worry, worry about being a good chief and whatever like my definition of that is and whatever my people's definition of that is, not necessarily what Navy advancements or the chain of commands definition of that is. In lieu of ever having a sponsor, I've basically created my own. If you want to support us, go to dgutsapparel.com. Don't give up the ship apparel. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Dguts Apparel. Uh, it's Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. I went out of my way to create some really awesome stuff that I think you'll really enjoy. And it's some stuff that I think you'll actually wear. Uh, I hate all the stuff in the Navy Exchange section. I hate a lot of the stuff I see on social media where some somebody's side hustle is creating like nauseating gear that no one actually wants except for like crusty old retirees, which I'm about to be. So I don't know if I should uh, talk smack, but anyway, uh, go check it out. Dgutsapparel.com. If you want to support us, that's the best way to do it. And I would really appreciate it. Uh, so it was very cool, really fun talking to him. Uh, and I hope you all enjoy it. Check it out. So yeah, so just we'll like like we just talked about. So just start with like your background and as much uh, as much detail as you're comfortable with, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, so EOD dude uh, came in initially as a EOD guy, 18, um, graduated school at 19, showed my first command, like super young guy being there. Um, spent six years out in the Pacific, and then taught a little bit at dive school for shore duty and then uh went out to europe spent about three years out there and then just recently moved back to the states still active duty kind of at a one-off place now but uh okay. yeah it's kind of the quick synopsis and it, like we talked about before we'll get into a little bit of specifics here and there and yeah yeah man um, so you talked about uh, like we we talked a little bit offline just because to sanitize it of some of the details for privacy reasons and such. But um, so the you're an EOD chief currently, and there was a the thing that happens. And again, like I'll let you explain it, obviously, because I don't want to like say anything I'm not supposed to. But um, the <laughs> there's a thing that happened that led to you going to a captain's mass, and we'll like. So just start with what, however much of the story you want to tell, just so that, you know, like we can, we'll start there to build the context. And then, yeah, I definitely, the lessons learned piece, I think is super interesting. And I definitely want to spend a bunch of time on that. Yeah. It, uh, so, uh, kind of skipping over the, the details, kind of the 
context, like we talked about, is kind of after mass, you know, who I am being a better chief yeah. at this point. Um, so it been to DRB uh, before as a white mm-hmm. hat and being a DRB as a white hat, like if you've never been to one, like hundred percent is a thing during season, like kind of poke yeah. on it selects like, Oh, you've never been to mass. Like you have to go to mass before you or <laughs> never been to DRB. You got to go to DRB before you put on chief. And it, it's definitely a humbling experience as a white mm-hmm. hat, like, go in there. There's a room full of chiefs. Um, some of what, you know, some of what you don't know. Yeah. And it's go in there and own your mistake essentially. So that's like white hat 10 years ago. Um, but then going in there as a chief, super awkward. Um, so I go in it, we have a command of 150 dudes. There's five E9s at our command. Mm. And, uh, so whenever you go as a chief, I don't know if it's like written anywhere, but it only the mass chiefs at the command are going to sit in at the DRB. I don't know if you've done one, like, I, on yeah, chief. so I did, we DRB'd a, like a pretty boot chief one time. Um, I don't recall. I know I was there as a senior chief. Um, it might have just been Cobb and the department chiefs, would have, which would have all been like senior chiefs and master chiefs. So, but I don't know that. Okay, yeah, I don't yeah. know that it's written anywhere. It was probably just more like a, like a logic to it, really. Like, because I, I imagine if I was like in an SEL spot, I'd be like, yeah, now this, I don't need your peers in here telling you that, yeah. You know, and I guess maybe there's a context where I would want that, but I can't. I'd have to really sit there and like think about some scenario or something, but yeah, I think it makes the most logical sense that yeah, it would just be senior people. Moose, yeah, I mean, it'd be weird to like be sitting there getting yelled at by someone who was like in your class going through season kind of thing. Yeah, Um, it'd be bizarre. Yeah, so there was. Yeah, it. So there was five mass chiefs in there. One of which, you know, was a CMC, and they're in there, and it's as a white hat, you go in and it's like, well, I messed this up. Like I did this, yeah. I did this. Um, and all that kind of thing where they went in there and they're like, Hey, you did this. You've already admitted to it. Like, what could you have done better as a chief? How did you yeah. let your guys down? How did you do this? And it was like, well, I messed up and just kind of, I don't know, trying to answer that question of like, it, it's easy to, you know, looking back on it, it's easy to always like, uh, take that responsibility, but then to take that responsibility and be like, well, not only did I mess up, but this is how I messed up as a leader. So this is how it's going to influence these uh, like eight dudes careers for the rest of their life. It, um, so to kind of go off, like, uh, you talked with, uh, chief Nick back in the day Mm -hmm. about kind of the EOD, uh, pipeline, how we work and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. like the premise of our, uh, like you would call it like a division, I guess. Um, so we yeah. call it a platoon. It, we have a JO, the chief, one or two post deployers, and then like four mm. or five, uh, brand new dudes. Like they're all third classes or second classes, but yeah. they're first team dudes, first boat dudes. Like they're just trying to figure out how to be a sailor, how to, right. how to be an EOD dude, like all that kind of stuff. So that was like a, a massive question there. They're like, you just took 
five dudes who just showed up to, you know, the command who don't know anything and you're their first chief. You're the one mm-hmm. writing the book of who they're going to be, you know, five years, 10 years, 20, 20 years down the line. Um, right. So it was, it was super interesting going through that. Um, and I think that's where, and, and we'll get to it, like the post mass stuff, like that's where it really started to kind of set in of like, yeah, okay, what, what do you as a chief, what do you really instill in people? Um, mm-hmm. You know, everyone up, down, left and right of you, uh, whether it's your peers, the JOPs or uh, new sailors coming in. Um, so that's kind of really where it started. The The rest of it, the mass part, you know, it, you walk into to mass and wherever you go in there, you know, they're reading a script. They're like, hey, you're right. here, you're charged right. with this. This is what the disposition is going to be. You know, do you object? Do you want to go to UC or a uh, court martial or anything yeah. like that? And it's like, nope, cool. All right, here's the paperwork and then sign it and then kind of done there. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of the the overall um, of that. It, it, you were talking about, you know, you took a dude who was kind of a, a boot chief. It, <clears throat> so in, in our community, I would say, like you're always a new guy. Like I'm still yeah. a new guy and I'm like post LCPO tour. Um, How so? So like, you're what, a new is, guy. what do you mean by that? It, so like you're a, you're a new guy. And then like for you guys, like getting dolphins is like, okay, yeah. finally, like you're here, you know, enough to like mess everything up, but you know, enough to where you can speak our language kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever you show up, like whenever you first get warfare qualified, you've been there two to three years, you get your, you know, your senior pen, uh, which again, it chief Nick talked about all the career progression yeah, those stages kinda, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of skip over that. So once you get that pen, it's like, well, now you're a new senior tech and then okay. you go along It's between four and six years, probably on average, uh, you get your master pen, which is our wicket to make chief. And then once you get your master pen, it's like, well, he's a new master tech. Like uh, you're still <laughs> filling in. <laughs> okay. And then, so now you're chief eligible, you know, you spend a year or two, uh, as a first class master tech and then you put on anchors and then like you even said, it's like, well now you're, you're a new, new chief. chief. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay. So then for us, it's like, you're not really a chief in a sense until you're post deployed. Cause like that's our milestone to kind of make eight and all okay. that kind of stuff. Um, so it's like, okay, you've done one team now as a chief. So, whenever you look back on it, it's like, well, if you did one deployment as a brand new guy, did you really know that much? And now this is me, you know, looking back on it. It, Right. At the time I'm like, you know, I'm a, I'm a chief, I'm doing the job. I'm deployed. I brought the dudes back like, cool. I'm good. But now looking back on it, you know, that was only probably six months ago. Like looking back on it, I'm like, well, I just did one, team which i learned a lot on that team don't get yeah. me wrong i feel like i hit every wicket you could possibly hit for <laughs> uh learning points but um yeah so now it's like okay you you're post deployed chief now you have a seat at the table in a sense like mm-hmm. 
it, we have the same mess that, you know, everyone else does. You come in, you know, you have your weekly or monthly mess meetings and you talk about everything, but your weight grows as you yeah. spend more time at the table and as you hit those like more wickets. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if that answers. It's, the yeah. Question. Now that's similar to how it is on submarines. I think too, there's always a hierarchy. Um, I don't, it might not be as pronounced, but it's for sure there as far as like, like when I was in my first uh, mess, it was, I was on a special project submarine. And so it was, it was unique. Um, it was a lot larger because we had like a detachment that we would take with us to do special things and um so we had extra chiefs from there and then it was very top heavy like we had a lot of mass chiefs and senior chiefs and even the chiefs the majority of them were like second tour lcpos at sea so it was like there's a lot of crusty dudes there and so like for me and the handful of guys that made it and stayed um it was like you were in like a CPO Academy, but you were also like sitting at the kids table. Like it was very like pronounced. There was a very pronounced separation between us and them, but it was like, we were always involved, but it was very much like a teaching relationship. It was like we were um, apprenticing or something, Uh, even though like we had a voice, albeit a small one. And there was definitely a hierarchy, but like behind closed doors, it was like, I was getting chin checked every five seconds. Like it was every single time I did something stupid, they were like, what are you doing? You fucking idiot. Like, like, and they, but it was always behind closed doors and they were like teaching me, like, that's not how you do that. You do it this way. And like, um, like be, almost like being a little kid, like, and getting raised by like the, you know, grownups. But then the second time around when I went back as a department chief and I was a senior chief, it was, I was one of the adults in the room all the time. And, and it, there was definitely a culture of like this, the, the senior chiefs and, and mass chiefs are going to hold the young guys accountable, but it was a little less, pro- I think it was a little less pronounced the second time around because it wasn't the project's boat because that was a unique environment where it was so top heavy. And there's, there's kind of like a big separation. Like I made chief in nine years and then it's like, there's a bunch of dudes about to retire that are like, like they've been around forever. And so it's like, they've got twice as they've been a chief longer than I've been in the Navy. So it's kind of <laughs> like there's a generational gap almost. And so you're, you know, just, like treated the same but different i guess because you're you're there to learn but it was a really good thing for me because i learned a ton like i i feel like i learned how to be a chief there and it was like i don't know like i watched a bunch of guys go through the season and subsequent messes where i'm like i don't I, i think i got really lucky by being there for three years as an lcpo where i had all these big brothers like punching me in the back of the head every time i did something stupid and like putting me on the right path to to make sure i was doing the right thing and take care of my guys and stuff so (laughs) to go back it kind of with what you said it i guess a question for you like it how it like you being that you know new chief in that kind of sense because that's very similar to you know how we are and yeah it like you know, preaching to the choir with what you said, how do you go back like in your community and your divisions? Like, how do you go back and just it? I mean, I don't know if it's given to, but like once we leave the mess doors, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what happens in the mess. Like when we leave, you can disagree with everything behind that door, but this is what we decided. So this yeah. is the boy. Like, yeah. how do you, bring that back to you know your division your department um Um, so the way that i the way that i've always looked at this concept was because 
it didn't happen a ton, but it definitely happened, especially on my last submarine where we had uh, we had a CO that was a piece of work and would often do things that like literally the entire mess, including the cob, vehemently disagreed with and told him as much. But then he would just say, yep, cool, do it anyway. Um, so the way that I would deal with it generally was, um, like go back and cause they, they always preach to you, right. As you're, as you're coming up and being like trained and developed as a chief to, that you have to like go out there and sell it to your division and make them believe that you believe. And it's like, look, man, <laughs> I, I'm not an Academy award winning actor. So I don't, and I, and I happen to think junior sailors are super fucking smart. Like I think they're really sharp, like in a lot more perceptive than a lot of leadership gives them credit for. So I don't think for a second that it'll be lost on them that, um, and especially based on like the context and trust that I've developed over time with them, that I wouldn't come out and tell them to do certain things if it like it wouldn't be my idea. You know what I mean? Like I I know this isn't the best way to do it, or I know that it's going to have this negative impact. And a lot of times what I'll be focused on is mitigating that negative impact as much as I possibly can, like I with within the power that I do have. Um, cause like if they tell you, you know, I think if they tell you we're going to do something crazy, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, okay, well, why is it crazy? And why doesn't it make any sense? And it's the answer to that is generally going to be something effective. Like it's going to make our lives harder than it needs to be, or it's going to prevent us from doing something else or, or whatever. Um, and maybe even, I mean, if you're getting to a place, and this would be like a whole nother conversation, but if you're getting to a place where you're like incurring unnecessary risk or something like that, I'm, I'm get you're getting into the orbit of like disobeying unlawful orders and stuff, but that's, I've never experienced that. Um, but yeah, like I'd, I'd go back and basically just, it was kind of like unspoken. Like there was an unspoken read between the lines, second kind of conversation that I felt like happened. And I may just be perceiving that myself, but, I never, I never really got challenged that much by my guys. Once we were in a place that they kind of knew me well enough to know, you know what I mean? When it was my idea and when it wasn't because the vast majority of the time, it wasn't my idea. It was like a collective thing. Like I'd come out, we'd have a conversation and I'm always asking for input. And if I come out and provide direction with no, like no wiggle room and the lines are drawn pretty, pretty boldly, um, they understand that to be what exactly what it is. And everyone else generally just did the same thing and junior sailors talk to each other. So it's like, I feel like most of my junior sailors were able to kind of, uh, read between the lines and contextualize it for themselves. So I didn't really like, I'm not going out there and overtly saying like, well, the CEO's an idiot and he told us to do this dumb stuff. So here we go. This is going to suck. But, uh, it's like I would go out there and tell them, okay, hey, like, you know, we're staying late today. We got to do this thing uh, and try try to provide them some of the some of the information that I can or the context that I can on why we're doing it, like what the purpose of it is. Like, hey, we're about to go through this pain. Here's why. And, and to the extent that I could. Um, and at the end of the day, like what I would end up probably doing um, just by virtue of like, I don't have control over where we're going 
or how much pain we're going to go through necessarily uh, to do it. But I spent a lot of time um, building almost like a bank of of like credit with them of like, look, I'm going to take care of you as much as I possibly can. I'm going to make things as painless as I possibly can give you as much time off as I possibly can all the time so that when these moments come and I say, Hey, go do this. They just go do it, you know, and they understand like, it's almost like they're doing it for me instead of doing it for the mission. You know what I mean? Like when you get to those, those spots where there's going to be discomfort because of whatever the hell we're doing that, you know, I may not, I don't believe in, or I disagree with. Um, so, Cause sometimes it's like, I think it's stupid, but it's not that big of a deal either. Um, I mean, that's the majority of my career probably is like I always like to an extent think I'm the smartest person in the room, but I try to temper that with like trying to put myself in their shoes and understand their perspective and maybe there's stuff that I'm not seeing. And if I can get people to explain to me, like I'll ask questions to try to get that perspective of like, hey, what am what am I missing? Like, I know I don't see like the entire strategic picture all the time. That's why I'm not wearing a command at C pin, you know, like, but, um, like, so what am I not seeing so that I can better understand it so that I can then go sell it to my guys, as they say. Um, but sometimes when I'm provided all of that information, I still think it's idiotic. And, um, when that's the case, it's kind of like, all right, well, this is going to be one of those, you know, and I, I go back and, brief it to them like hey this is what we're doing and i i, I kind of do it in the same way but i feel like it's i feel like my people were smart enough to understand like and sometimes when they would push back and ask those questions it's like it's like look this is what we're doing i need you guys to do this and they're like okay and and it was almost like there were buzzwords like if i say like look hey i just need you guys to do this and let me know if you need anything. I'm here to help, but we need to get this done and we need to get it done this way. And they would kind of understand that me kind of like putting my foot down a, li- a little bit as like, oh, OK, you know. And so like, am I am I overtly disagreeing? No. But like. Do they understand it to be what it is? I think so. And I, and that was kind of the way that I balanced it, because there's this part of me that disagrees with that stance of like hey you got to go sell your guys on this being stupid and it's like if i could if i was really capable of that i feel like it would be disingenuous and i'd be like almost lying to them in a way that i don't feel okay about but at the at the flip side of it i understand the logic behind that idea um i but i just don't i feel like if that were even possible, like if, if I believed the, the, it was possible for that to be true, that I could like, just go like be a used car salesman and make them believe things that, um, I'd be like underselling their intelligence and like powers of perception. And I just, I mean, I think the best BS filter in the world is a, like a smoke pit full of E4s. You know what I mean? Like, so I just, I don't buy for a second <laughs> that, it, I'm I, even I capable a, of doing uh, it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I have a, a great, uh, I don't know, it, business proposition from one of my E4s on that. We'll come back to that. Um, <laughs> okay. It, he basically said that uh, every admiral should have a terminal E4 who gets uh, a pay raise every year that he's oh, with yeah. the admiral. 100%. And no admiral should ever be able to uh, push an idea out 
unless yeah. that he for agreed with filter and yeah it's and, like uh, it it's like a dude, court jester yeah. but from like monarchies and stuff dude like like you're there to poke fun at the king and like you know they probably got their heads lopped off pretty habitually so that's not good <laughs> but like yeah it's like yeah. like a filter like like hey i need you to i need to bounce this idea off you which is kind of hilariously the premise of the the command sel program but it's like those guys are so far removed from the fleet and from doing the job and all that other kind of stuff that yeah i mean i think it'd be brilliant for like <laughs> i mean maybe not, i don't know if like a terminal e4 but like yeah like some kind of junior enlisted guy like just like a ro- even if it was like a rotating duty thing you know what i mean like you're on the watch bill this week to be the admiral's filter like head up to the yeah, flag and filter. you can and and you can go there and you can say whatever you want you can yep. call the admiral dumb if you want to whatever yeah. it is but like your job is to be like that, you know, kind of QA to like mm-hmm. what the good idea fairy is, you know, yep. sitting around <laughs> whether. Yeah. How are um, the commoners going to react to this idea? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it, I mean, we had shoot probably multiple three, four hour conversations like that in our shop. Um, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I love it. it uh, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it, Back to like the original question, it I think it one of the big things that you said is very much what I did. It you like you already have tenure with your dudes. Um yeah. like I hope to think that I did. Um so it's like whenever I came out and I was like, Hey dude, this is what we're doing, they're all just like, All right, man, like this is gonna suck and it's like, Well, yeah, I'm right here with you. Like Yeah. But then there was other times where I came out and it was like Hey, this is what we got to do, but here's some instructions I know about. Here's this, here's yeah. this. Like, yeah. we can't just turn around and fight it, but it like kind of picking your battles, which right. I, I kind of hate that like buzzword. It's like, don't pick your battles, like educate yourself to fight the battles that are worth fighting. Um, right. So it's like, Hey, y'all don't agree with this. Like, here's everything that I know. And if y'all want to pursue this after you know, you educate with what I know or whatever, or you guys find some other stuff, like we can talk about it and then go from there and start pushing back. But you can't just be like, Oh, well, you know, the boss said this and now, you know, we can just be butthurt and go do it kind of thing. Right. Um, And there was like, there were times where like, um, like the chain of command would kind of, drop something on us last minute and sometimes i like now at the time i probably didn't have the understanding um but like now it's like i understand that like sometimes like some vip visit would come up out of the blue um and especially like the on the project submarine it was like the it was like the pretty girl in the room like everybody wanted to come down and like look at it and like get a brief on all the cool things and whatever and um so like, you know, like with a couple of days notice, best case scenario, you'd get this notice of like some like high level civilian or like a four stars coming down from God knows where. And so they're like, oh, my God, clean everything, wax the decks, blah, blah, blah. And so like there were times where we'd be in the middle of getting ready to deploy. And then it's like we got to like and halt and then shift our focus to something that doesn't really matter. And uh but I still have to get all that other stuff done to like get ready to deploy. I still have to stay on track in that regard. So a lot of times like 
there's there was probably not a lot of times. There's a couple of times where like it, it came down really short fuse and I like I'm like, you know what? Just do what you do what I told you to do. And then I sent everybody home and then I stayed at work overnight at like on my hands and knees waxing the decks. And I did it for a couple of reasons. And one was like my silent protest, basically, like this is stupid. So I'm like, you've got one of your chiefs on their hands and knees waxing this deck, even though I was, you know, no one really cared. I was only inflicting pain on myself. But and then uh, but for with my guys, like they knew that 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 deck wasn't waxed when they left, you know, and then they come in the next day and they're like, huh? So either chief magic happened or I did it myself. And so like that in that moment it's like i was able to spare them that pain and i'm not going to make a habit out of like always doing their job for them but it was just one of those like unique scenarios where i saw the opportunity to build that credibility that you're talking about and like you can't buy that kind of credibility with junior enlisted it like because you know like the duty guy is still there so like the vast majority of the time they saw me start doing it and then they headed out you know like i'd check them out and they're like yeah get out of here and then i'd be there till midnight waxing the deck and then I'd come to work the next day. And so it's just like, there's things like that. And that's probably an extreme example for some people. But like, I just, if I can shield them that from that kind of BS where it's like, it's going to make their life a lot harder. It's not their fault that some VIP like got on a, on a whim, wanted to go visit the, the cool kid submarine. And like, it's, but it's making their life objectively more difficult. So I'm just like, I, I can the one thing I can control is their liberty. And so I'm like, all right, go home. Just go. You guys are going to worry about getting this thing ready to deploy. And I'll take care of this dog and pony show, you know? And it's like that builds that kind of credibility so that when something else happens, you know, like I'd rather save that type of expenditure for when like we get extended on mission and like, we're not going home. And I'm like, well, this is what we signed up for boys. So like, (laughs) here we go. You know? And it's like, I need you to keep pushing a little bit longer. And then, um, it's a, it's an easier sell, you know, like it's like, cause I have no control. I have zero control. I get informed and then I pass the information on and try to cushion the blow. It's like, so. Yeah. And it, it's like, that's something that like actually matters. Like yeah. if I take, you know, as like, you know, the div chief, it's like, Oh, I just took your two hours of Liberty. It's like, Oh, chief sucks. Like everything yeah. sucks because yeah. of this. But then, when you fast forward to deployments extended for a month, three months, it's like, Oh, this really sucks. Like that two hours doesn't matter at that point. So it having that foresight of like, and I mean, I, I hate to say like the, the tenure thing, but it's like, we've all been there, you know, as a E4 and E5, E6, whatever coming up through the ranks. It's like the two hours sucks whenever you're there, but then whenever you're, you're on deployment, you're getting extended. It's like, Oh, well you don't think about those two hours. Like, Oh, dad sucks because he kept me here two hours longer. (laughs) Um, but then even looking back on that, like, you know, fast forward a year or two, like, Oh yeah. The rest of that deployment was cool because of this or that, or all all these other things that happen. Um, so it's all kind of relative, I think to, you know, the time then versus looking back on it. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Like it's in the moment it sucks, but it's like, again, it's like building that credibility and trust is a huge part of it. And that's why like in, in my like dealing with that kind of of stuff, it's just like, 
I spent all that time building that trust and credibility for a reason. And that those are generally the situations that I'm like, this is what I need. And, and I, I don't usually have an issue, um, you know, navigating those for that reason, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it (laughs) kind of went off on a a tangent there. What good happens, uh, it happens. (laughs) That's where the good stuff is, man. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so um, back to like the the mass thing. Um, it I don't know what kind of questions you have and stuff. It's something that I kind of brought up to you was it. So essentially, to give reference, um, so I'm at 14 years in right now. Um, okay. So I just had my first look for eight. So I've been a chief for three years now. Um, and essentially, so 14 years was my first look. So the first time that I'll truly be eligible, you know, to wipe off those evals and, you know, going to mass is my 19 year mark, um, which I plan on as of now, I plan on getting out at 20. Yeah. Um, so even if you do promote me at 19, like I'm still retiring as a paid seven. Um, so, so funny story. Yeah. So just from, from my board experience, there's a misconception that there's this five year window, right? Where like, so like, and I'm assuming that's what you're referring to is like after five years, those adverse evals go away and it's like, they don't. What it is, is um, you get, when you're getting looked at, if I was like, let's say I'm, you know, EOD CM and I'm sitting a selection board for eight, right? if I looked at your record and decided that your record met all of the fully and best qualified criteria and that we're going to promote you to eight and you had an NJP within a five-year window of that board, what we have to do is the, uh, they'll brief the panel. Hey, you selected somebody with an NJP within the last five years and they rebrief you on like, Hey, this, it was article, whatever, this is what happened. Do you still want to promote this guy? And we vote yes or no. And then if it's yes, we all have to sign a thing acknowledging that we were briefed on the NJP and that, yes, we still want to promote this guy or girl. And then that's that's it. Right. But when a selection board member is looking at your record, they can see back to boot camp. They don't traditionally go back that far. Um, and the five year window is kind of like a rule of thumb. Like some people go back further. Some people don't like because you'll get candidates like you right now, if I'm evaluating to promote you to senior chief, I'm going to look at your chief evals. Not that concerned about like your first class evals. So really, I'm going to look at like three, maybe four. Um, And that's me. Like, obviously, there's other board members with other practices. But I'm just saying like on average, this is kind of what I saw on the panel I was on. But um, so for you, the the good news is you can promote with that NJP on your record. And I mean, if you're doing all of the fully qualified and best qualified things, um, and your evals are strong, so, like post NJP, like there's a chance you could promote earlier than five years. Like it's not, it's not a hard and fast thing unless the EOD community has its own, like either, um, like unspoken rule or l- like nukes, for instance, like in the, in the message, they'll say like, if you're not qualified this thing or you didn't do this thing or whatever, then you're not going to promote. So they could have those requirements. I don't know. I've never looked at like your, uh, ECP and stuff, but um, if it's it, no, if mean, there's no it, hard and fast rule, there's a chance that you could you could promote earlier it, than that. I mean, yeah, it. I was definitely talking general. It so to prove your point, um, a dude who went through season with me, 
And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, picking up seven verse eight is definitely different, but yeah, it he had an NJP just under four years prior to putting on his anchors. Yeah. Um, and that was the thing. Like he wasn't even looking at the list and yeah. all of a sudden, like, you know, his uh, senior list at the time gave him a call. He's like, Hey dude, like, yeah, congrats. And yep. it was, <clears throat> and he was waiting for like a, it kind of after what you said, cause I definitely didn't know what you had said, but, uh, it, he was probably three quarters of the way through season before he was like officially, Hey, you will promote, um, yeah. his name wasn't on the official, uh, message. Yeah, he probably list, got flagged for legal review or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, he put on it, it ended up being like right at four years, I think, um, from a super gnarly <laughs> JP, uh, yeah. that he had in, in his past. And um, hey, the, the hard and fast, unshakable reality is we live in a quota driven world, man. Like mm-hmm. the, the one thing about, they say all these, these nice things about, like how we promote and what you should do to promote. And like, when you read the like board precepts and convening letter, it says all this great stuff. But at the end of the day, we got quotas to fill. And it's like, if you, you'll see ratings with 100% uh, like promotion rate. And it's mm-hmm. like, are they really promoting every <laughs> single eligible candidate? I don't know. But like, there's definitely I, what I can tell you from my specific board experience was there's a gang of people that I didn't think should promote that did. And it's because we live in a quota driven world, you know, and that's as specific it, as I can yeah. get with it, unfortunately, because of the whole rule set there. But like with like what you're allowed to talk about as a board member, but yeah, man, it's like, uh, I would have returned like a gang of quotas if I was allowed to, I mean, we were, we returned, I think two. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, they have, lcpo at c jobs that they need chiefs for and so like that's you get like a 60 something percent quota and you're like what and they really ex- <laughs> expect you to fill it, that do you do you know what our uh promotion percentages are i do not i'd have to go look them up okay i didn't know if you were poking the bear um no so, are they high <laughs> uh so i made first class in 2013 ish maybe 14 mm-hmm. something like that and it was a hundred percent to first class when I made it. Oof, it was a, it was a hundred percent to first class a couple years prior to that. Yeah. Since then, it has been a hundred percent every single cycle up until now. I, I don't even with understand the, how that's possible. So, <laughs> it, so uh, with the caveat of in the last couple years, I feel like I don't I don't know how they come up with that like percentage nowadays. Yeah. Because. A few years ago, on paper, we were 100%, where now it doesn't show 100%, mm-hmm. but every single eligible second class I've ever known has always picked up. So we've been 100% to E6. Caveat, last few years, I don't know what that little like asterisk means. Right. Um, for over a decade. We That's have insane also to me. been <laughs> We have also been 100% to Chief, as per <sighs> our quotas. Uh, well, and since you know, probably that's the 2014 at least. That's so. Like, what's nice about and I'm assuming I understand enough to that this makes sense to me. But like, the nice thing about the EOD community is you have separate measurable metrics that are you have to meet along the way with like the the 
different levels of tech. And like you were saying, yep. like you have to deploy and do certain experience based things in order to be like ready for the next, the next rank. So it's like, it, cause yeah. otherwise, otherwise it's like, what are you, what's being measured? You know what I mean? Like how, how do we know you're ready to be a first class if all you got to do is show up and put your name on the exam? So I'm just like, it, yeah, I mean, yeah. And that's kind of the, the caveat is our quotas are a hundred percent, but I would say plus or minus we're between like 40 and 60, like for uh chief billets, it we're plus or minus 40 to 60 uh, every year is our quota. Yeah. We, on average, probably promote 25 a year. Like we give back a lot of billets and that, yeah, that like, doesn't surprise me. It, that part fact, uh, rumor mill in the community. I don't know, you know how true it is, but, Apparently that's like a, a thing for Millington and the bean counters is they don't like whenever people give back. They uh, don't billets. Yeah. yeah, no, they, they don't. Um, but it's up to the board president and like there are some board presidents that again, rumor mill, cause my board president was supportive of whatever the room voted on. Um, which is cause you have like a flag officer in there and then you mm-hmm. have a board SEL, which ours was, think a force master chief or something um and then we had a millington guy in there that was a cmc um but yeah they don't they don't like it but they don't i had zero pressure exerted on me to not do it um but i i think it's based on your board president um and i don't know if they have any pressure on them and then the flag officer's just like yeah well i don't care but um but yeah i in in because that only experience I have is that one panel and I they we returned I think it was two I'm almost positive but we definitely returned a few a few quotas um, and yeah we just he just basically briefed us on what it meant and he said I'll support whatever you got whatever you vote on and we voted on returning those two um, for CSS and I don't remember I don't think we returned any other ones I could be wrong about that though for like Surface LS Surface CS all that but. But yeah, I mean, I've heard the same thing, but I had zero pressure. Like nobody gave us any grief about it. Yeah. So just to say like it, I know a lot of people, cause it's a thing like every season, you know, now that I've been on the backside a couple of years, like every season they're like, oh, well you're just auto promote, like put your name on the test and you'll be a cheat. It's like, yeah, but I mean it for me. So I was unqualified you know, as per our ladder for the shells, I was unqualified uh, yeah. for two or three years. And then one year I was fully qualified per the ladder, but they still postponed it a year. Cause I was like it, I got qualified like three days before the letter was board or uh, letter to the board was due. So they're like, I hey, can barely, qualified, he can qualified. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean it, and that'll kind of go into, you know, some other things we'll talk about, but like, yeah, it me it so i was in i think it was 11 years is when i put on cheat or just shy of 11 years um but i was a first class for six and a half of those okay and it like i think had i put on chief at like my six or seven year mark which you've talked about this you know a few times with different dudes like i first class me i was a hundred percent ready to be a chief and like oh, i could do chief's job mm-hmm. and I can do all that. And then now being on the flip side, yep. I'm like, dude, I'm such a better chief because yeah, it took me a while to, you know, put on the anchors. And then obviously like my last team ride, like I still went to mass, like, 
yeah. know, there's still a hundred lessons to learn, you know, the day after you put on chief, which is a big thing, you know, during season and yeah. all that and still learning, you know, every day. Um, so yeah, it, yeah. Quotas are quotas. And it, sometimes what you see on paper isn't always true is kind of right. the point there. Right. But, uh, yeah, we definitely yeah. promote quick. Yeah, I definitely like I remember I me and Nick went back and forth about that on one of the podcasts about um like cuz I still do believe like and and I think the happy medium is probably like like cuz he made it fast and and I mean to by talking to him he didn't think it affected him at all and th- thinks he's done well so um but like I know guys that that made it fast and you know, they, they, they did well eventually, like they adapted, but it's like, could they, like, would they have done better? So almost like, it's not like they can't be a chief that early, but it's like, they could have done so much better. Cause it's like, I was eligible. And had I not gone through like a messy divorce when I was, so I was a first class, I was at like eight and a half years. And if I would have finished the quals I was working on before my whole personal life exploded, I probably would have made chief at eight and a half instead of nine and a half. And I was barely ready at nine and a half. Like, and had I not been at that really strong command with that really strong mess, I don't, I think there would have been an even steeper learning curve and there was a damn sure learning curve. So it's just like, I'm still an advocate of, of more experience, especially because we, culturally are are so preachy about like the value of our experience and it's like okay well how much experience does a six-year chief have so what are we doing it, so like it just it, i mean it, to to kind of caveat that because like me being on this side like i say it took me a while to make it because i mean i know a dude who put on eod mass chief in 14 years 11 months like jesus which is and then after he did that, like I looked up like the BMR to like nerd out and like the quickest you can make it if you hit every time frame, you know, like the minimum time and rate plus a couple of yeah. EPs is like 14 years and like seven months. So, so he, he did made it, it literally as fast <laughs> as you can. <laughs> it, exactly. But I mean, even for you, like it, you made it early according to the Navy. Like I think yeah. the Navy says it's like 14 years or something. Um, but it it's kind of give and take because it's like, okay, you've learned a lot. And let's say you're 20 years and you're finally putting on anchors, you know, right before you tenure out. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you've been in 20 years and you've been a chief for a day. You're still a boot chief. Or you've been in the Navy, you know, go to like the nukes or even EOD dudes who like yeah. put it on in six, eight years. Like, yeah, you've only been in the Navy for this long fast forward to when you're 15 16 years in well you've been in the mess for six to eight years so now you have that tenure in the mess you have it more time sitting at a table talking about higher level things or this or that like it and hearing those conversations like you get so much smarter so much quicker because you're sitting there listening to you know, 25, 30 year mass chiefs talk all day where no first class is going to have that venue regularly. Um, right. Which it, to keep going down this rabbit hole, uh, like JOs. Um, and it, I've heard you kind of talk about, you know, how junior officers are on the boat. And I did a ship deployment, my first deployment as an EOD dude, but I still seen kind of how, you know, the SWO community is, uh, 
but speaking more to the EOD community, like we have a dude who comes in who graduated the same school as my E4. And then now the E4 and this O2 or O3 mm-hmm. just graduated EOD school together and they're showing up and they're on the same platoon and then I'm their team chief. So they've already been together for two years through this pipeline. They're like okay. BFFs, like they've, you know, went out, drank, whatever, hung out together. And then now I'm their chief and I'm like, stop calling him, you know, yeah. Jim, Bob, whatever. Like, right. He's your lieutenant, um, which we do a pretty good job, you know, separating like when you can be on first name basis versus yeah. uh, it calling by rank. And I think it kind of translates to the boat community from what I've heard. Like you guys are, you know, super tight. Uh, compared yeah, we to don't. Other communities. We don't do first names, though. Uh, like so E6 and below do it and then E7 and above do it and then officers do it amongst themselves but there's still a pretty clear line of separation. You know what I mean? Like there's no, no okay. E4 calling me by my first name. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, there, there are still lines there. Cause I've talked to like NSW guys too. And they like, it sounds like they do more of a, like everybody's on a first name basis, but they still respect the positions and stuff. Um, but yeah, for us, there's definitely those clear lines still. It is okay, pretty informal okay. though. Yeah, I mean, for us, like, minus, like, you know, like, a CMC, ops, ops, master chief, CO level, like, if mm-hmm. they're not in the room, it, like, I'm the team chief, and they're just like, hey, Zip, like, can I do yeah. this, can I do that, whatever, um, or, you know, calling the O, Jim, Bob, whatever, like, yeah. but then once that door opens, it's very much, I mean, to relate it to the mess it's the exact same as the mess yeah like, yeah one, once you go outside like be professional behind closed doors do you kind of thing pretty much um, yeah but yeah it it's interesting in the community where you do that and then you have to turn around and be held accountable by those same people yeah so like you have you know back to like that J.O. and this dude just graduated school together and changing the mindset of like, hey, he's still your buddy. You can still call him by his first name, you know, behind closed doors. But he's a platoon commander or company yeah. commander or whatever. Like he's in charge to relate to like Navy side. So he's like a division commander or division yeah. officer. Right. So like he's your divo. Like he has responsibilities bigger than you. And while the E4 is just trying to figure out how to be a dude on the team and how to put together a tool and drive the robot or whatever it is, it, that officer is like studying like O plans and con yeah. op, like building con ops and doing all this stuff. So <clears throat> like you look at a, an officer five years into their career, they're getting ready to become a department head and they're speaking at that level their entire you know, operationally five years. So like six to eight years in the Navy where that E4 is just now putting on E6, you know, trying to figure out how to run a, you know, team of four dudes and going back to like the chief side, it's like, why don't we don't employ the enlisted, which we have different jobs. And I, I get that and can go down a whole rabbit hole in that, but like, we don't employ the enlisted the same way we employ officers. And that's yeah. why you look at like a 
10-year officer, you know, putting on 04. For us, that's whenever they screen for XO and Mm -hmm. typically doing their XO ride 11 to 13 years. And then we're saying like, okay, you're a brand new chief and you have 13 years in the Navy. Like, who are you? You can barely run your seven man like division. Like you need to learn this and learn that. Meanwhile, the same guy that I graduated school with is the executive officer. Like he's running a command of 150 dudes. That's interesting. Cause like, I think it's kind of almost opposite on submarines where like, I mean, I'm like my department head was like, it was like, and on submarines, it's unique, particularly for me, because like supply officers are the department head and the divo. So I get like brand new baby ensigns most of the time that are trying to do both. And it's uh, it's ridiculous. Um, but even like regular department heads are like O threes, O fours. And it's like, <laughs> I'm you're doing what I'm telling you to do still. Like, I still treat them like junior officers. So it's like not it's more of like a partnership sort of. Like I'm definitely a lot more collaborative with a department head because they've been around for a little bit and they, they ought to know better at that point. Um, But still like, I mean, when I was in my department chief tour, it was like our department heads were, uh, were rough. And it was just like, it was very much like a, Hey, all the senior chiefs and like all the department chiefs go corral all these department heads and make them do their job versus what it sounds like on the like the chiefs are getting treated like they're the ones that are still figuring it out at that like progression point and it's like that i don't know man like <laughs> on submarines i feel like it t- it like takes them till xo which is their third operational submarine at that point so i mean they're probably i mean they're probably still about yeah like 13 14 15 years somewhere in there because their their operational tours are shorter than ours usually they're like three years ish. Um, yeah, but yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like it, it's it's not so much like hey, you're figuring. It's like you're figuring out how to be the team chief kind of thing. Yeah, it's yeah. not like oh, you don't know anything. And I mean, it. Neither one of us has ever been you know an O or an XO or whatever. Right. But, it, I don't know what happens behind those closed doors, you know, like is the CO coming into the XO's office? Cause like the XO's like at our commands anyways, like that's the hitter. Like that's the dude who comes down and critiques everybody and does all this yeah. stuff. And then the boss yep. walks in and he's just like, yeah, everything's good. It's like, yep. Yep. Well, he's XO for sure. Just, bad cop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like, he's for you know, sure bad behind cop. the scenes, like, and it, you know, I don't know what COs and XOs have meetings about, but it's like, is the CO just like crushing the XO behind that Some, closed door? I mean, I, I can tell you like I, so we do like ops briefs and stuff and on submarines, it's like, you're not going to, you're not going to get away with yelling at anybody without a whole bunch of people hearing it. <laughs> and so like, I could tell you like, yeah, I mean, the, some of the COs I've had, yeah, usually the XO is, I mean, sometimes they have really great working relationships, so you don't have to do that. And it depends on the capacity of that XO. But yeah, I've definitely had XOs just get lit on fire. And sometimes it was like in front of us at the ops brief. And so it was like, and I'm not, that's super inappropriate in my opinion. But <laughs> even even if the CO had had been uh, like professional enough to take him behind the stateroom door, it's like we would have heard every word because it's a submarine. And so it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of 
detail that's probably not even that relevant to the conversation but yeah they definitely <laughs> yeah. get lit on fire on submarines yeah i mean it, and that's it uh so the best quote that i've ever heard um from like a naval officer it is uh admiral swift he was mm-hmm. seventh fleet at the time or paycom i don't know i was like a e5 at the time but he uh yeah. he was a three-star and he came in and you know we had our typical like all hands call and came down and uh you know someone gets up and it's like the white hat call and he's like hey just can you like tell us what's it like to be like you know a day in the life of an admiral and he comes back he's like you know have you ever been to a circus and you see the elephants come in the room and like you know the elephant's tail has the elephant behind it like trunk wrapped around it and then the one behind that the one behind that it i'm a three-star admiral and i'm like the fifth elephant back in the line and my trunk's tied around the tail in front of me and i just i go where i'm told and Ah. follow the train in front of me and it was just like at that point like because you know it like you said earlier it's like you know you spend all day cleaning for this guy to come in yeah making everything pretty and nice and you set out all your gear you you know you make the room that he really wants to see all nice for him and then he comes in he's like cool yep y'all are doing good good thing you know typical admiral stuff and then he just goes about his day and where he said that i'm like dude he has a boss like everybody has a boss and it doesn't matter if you're a skipper of a boat like well you have you know a squadron or whatever y'all have over y'all like you have your next echelon command that your boss is getting yelled at a hundred percent he has gotten yelled at at least once a week um (laughs) and yeah i think that's forgotten sometimes uh, whenever we look at you know those positions of you know quote-unquote power yeah um, above us is they have the same relationship with their boss that you have with them yeah i definitely i work on a flag staff right now so i get to kind of see some of the behind the scenes of like what it that like what an admiral's staff does and like what his schedule is like and stuff like that and it very much is like he gets shuffled around by his handlers, gets told where to go, and what to do. And then like he's in a bunch of meetings doing admiral things. So there's still like the operational commander part of it. But um, but yeah, he's you know, a lot of it seems very like um, you like go to this place, do this thing, shake hands, kiss babies kind of thing. Like it doesn't. <laughs> A lot of it seems like that, like he's almost like just running around doing like a media tour almost. But and I know a lot mm-hmm. of that involves like o- like operational type planning meetings and stuff, I think. But like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird life. That's for sure. And like the the, the guy I have now is less of like a uh, that type of attitude that you just described. But the one before him was very much like his favorite part of the job was just running around talking to people like he would and he would like come up to us randomly like he'd walk around the building like once a day and just like come down to the spy office and just kind of like shoot the breeze with us and just hey what's going on what's going like what are you guys up to and he'd like just kind of talk he was always smiling super nice dude so like it was it was almost like he it was almost like a feeling that he like missed being a, like amongst the people you know what i mean like they get so detached that he just wanted sure. to like talk to sailors so it because it's it's such a lonely job like at that level um, yeah it yeah it leave it at that because i could continue going down that tangent with that yeah. um but yeah it uh to to get back to 
don't know, kind of wrap up the the mass thing. Um, kind of the reason why we wanted to talk about it is, yeah, um, it's just like wickets and command or uh, ladders and putting on rank and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, you know, I've been chasing. It, I have been chasing rank, but I've been chasing milestones. You know, because you don't want right. to not promote like no matter how much someone's like, oh, I, I don't want to be a first class or I don't want to be a chief or yeah. whatever it is. Like it, it's still nice to, to promote. And I definitely like, once I made chief, I was like, cool. Like I've beaten the Navy. Like yeah. I made the rank that I want to make. Like I'm happy here, all that. But then it's like, I'm there and it's like, oh, well, like I don't want to never make senior chief kind of thing. Right. right. Like, you still want to promote like it uh, yeah you know it's I just another it, yeah another thing I, I, I was that way with master chief where it was like i didn't once i decided i was done i was like uh i didn't really think i was gonna make it like i knew there was a chance but like if i wasn't gonna go be a cob there was also a, a solid chance i wasn't gonna make it and so like when i did it was like almost symbolic because like I'm doing the same job, nothing really changed except you know, I mean, and I'm barely I'm gonna get paid for like three months before I retire, and like right. so nothing really changed except what I'm wearing on my uniform. But it was very validating, like it felt really good, and I and it was kind of one of those bucket list things that I had, like I wanted to accomplish that before I retired. And then when all the health stuff happened, I was kind I felt like I was gonna miss the opportunity to really go after it, and then. So it was cool. Like, and, and I've always been one of those people where it's like, I don't need a star to get anything done. Like I could do all this as a chief, blah, blah, blah. And then like when, but when it happens, it's like, it's still, it's still validating that like, um, that like my, almost like my peers feel like that I belong at the next higher pay grade kind of thing. I don't know. It, it feels good. Yeah. And I don't think it, and anybody that says they don't like, they don't appreciate that type of validation and like reaffirmation re of like, Hey, you're doing a good job once in a while. Like I don't medals don't do anything for me. Um, like any other type of recognition or awards or anything, those don't re unless it's from my guys, you know, like if they did something to recognize me somehow, like that would be meaningful. But like, other than that, it's like the only stuff that's ever felt really validating was promotion for me because it's like, and like the advancement exam stuff even did, even though like the selection board, it's like literally your peers, but even like with advancement exams, it just felt like the organization was saying you're ready for more responsibility because you've been doing the right thing or whatever. And yeah. Yeah. It, and I mean, that's, that's always a thing that's there and it to, I mean, you made nine, right? Like you, yeah. I say I beat the Navy cause I made seven. Like, well, looking to you it's like well you beat the navy because you made nine but like kind of to i don't know just a gen pop out there like if you don't promote it's not the end of the world because yeah. whenever people look at me like there's people who are like well you're not going to put on eight or yeah. you're not going to be a mass chief like for you it's like oh well, i'm never going to yeah, be a cmc dude you're not a cob. You're not a. I'm not a cob. I'm not a CMC. I'm never going to be the Mick Pond. It never that sh that stuff and, never goes away. Maybe Mick Ponds get to be like ah, but like I'm it, just. But even then, it's like okay, you're the Mick Pond. Well, someone could always commit because I knew you were going to say that. So I was like, yeah, can I like one up that? It like oh well, you were never saluted. So the ensign yeah. 
who just graduated the Naval Academy yesterday outranks you. Like yeah. you just have to salute them. Like yeah. it, and then, I mean, even all the way up to CNO, it's like, Oh, you're the CNO, but you're not the chairman it, of the joint chiefs. You're not <laughs> exactly. the, the secretary of defense. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's always, there's always someone who outranks you. There's always someone who's cooler than you. Like, and that's a big thing in our community is like, so you're oh, saying well, I got to run for you. president. That's what <laughs> exactly. That's what, getting, yeah. that's what I'm getting out of it. <laughs> It, that's, <laughs> um, but yeah, so like it, there's always, there's always more you could achieve, like, right. Be, be happy, you know, where you're at. Um, and if, if someone gives you a, a star or two stars on top of your anchor, cool. But yeah, if they don't like going back to what you said, like the most important thing isn't, you know, necessarily the rank, you know, on the collar or the candy on the chest. It's, the dudes who you know said thanks once in a while or whatever that worked for you um right because it's something that you can never you know put down on paper or uh have like a plaque in the side of your office that says like yeah well i mean i so like weirdly i kind of do because i have like my charge book became like a scrapbook dude like i have especially like podcast stuff and like messages from junior sailors. Like I print them out and like my, it's almost full. Like I'm almost out of room. I have so much crap in there and it's that like, what's funny is I'm going to put like my fish, my deep submergence pin and my ribbon rack in a glass case and like occasionally glance at it. But my charge book, I'm going to pull that thing out all the time and flip through it when I'm feeling nostalgic. And it's like, I get so much like I get like a warm, fuzzy feeling when I sit down and go through that book, man. It like I'm glowing when I'm done because it's like I it's like if I ever question if I made a difference or not, I just go pull my charge book out of the box and like flip through the pages and like look at some of the things people have sent me. And like it's not a lot of it's podcast stuff, like to be fair, but also a lot of it's not like. And there's a lot of stories attached to them, like where I got to intervene in a situation as a chief and make a difference. And it's like, and like some like a school student left a thank you card on my desk. That's like one of my favorites. Cause like her mom was dying of cancer and they detailed her to Norfolk and her mom lived in San Diego and she wanted to be close to her mom for the last few months. And cause it all kind of like happened while she was in the Navy and I got to like intervene, change her orders, get her to San Diego. Um, and it was cool. And like to me, it was just like one of my chiefs came to me and said, hey, I've got this student, blah, 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 tells me the story. I'm like, all right, go verify that like it's true. And she's not just trying to swing orders to sunny California. And once <laughs> yeah. you once you have a warm fuzzy that this is legit, just come say it's legit and I'll make it happen. And so she did. And then I you know, got on the phone with detailers and admin people and made it happen by like the end of the day. And I, I didn't think about it again. I just told the chief to go tell her student. I'm like, hey, you're good. She's got orders to San Diego. It's done. And um, there's probably some poor kid out there that had to go to Norfolk instead that hates me for the rest of my life. But <laughs> uh, And then uh, I don't know if they knew that it got switched or not, but I don't think they actually told them their orders. But either way. Um, and then the ne- I think it was it wasn't even the next day. It was like the next week or something. I came in, I had this little envelope on my keyboard and I opened it up and the student had written me like this thank you card, like profusely thanking me for like giving her the opportunity to spend that time with her mom. And I'm like, that one's in my charge book. It's one of my favorite ones. I flipped to and check that out and just like Facebook messages and emails. and Yeah. So that's like, 
that's the one I care about, you know, and most of that happened way before I was a master chief. You know what I mean? So it's like, Mm -hmm. it's almost like what does matter? Cause like in 10 years when I'm like happily retired and fat and have a a big Viking beard, hopefully, um, like, you know, like what am I going to really care about? at the end of the day like i'm not going to be like glancing at my shadow box going man look at everything i accomplished i'm going to be flipping through my charge book reading all of those messages and stuff so yeah, yeah it so like it, that's uh just like i don't know like to kind of summarize the mass thing like it that's where and i mean it took me a while like i was super butthurt for a while of course and just like f this f that like you know, the boss sucks, this sucks, everything sucked. And it luckily I had already been, you know, at mental health and gone through therapy, done all this stuff, you know, prior to all this. So I kind of yeah. had some tools in the, the toolbox. Um, and like afterwards I was like, why am I mad at this? Why am I mad yeah. at that? And it's just like, well, I don't, I can't blame that person. I can't blame this person. And the CO I had, um, it like it so i went to mass and it was like a week and a half later i pcs out of there um so it was like uh, okay super, i was gonna ask eventually like how yeah how 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 did your functioning in the mess change or not change post so yeah i mean i i can't really answer that because yeah, i, cause I you, went to a mess meeting three days later i went to mass and like a week later i was uh oh, rotating wow. okay. um but uh, I was, was able to nor- have a Was that a normal PCS, or were, yeah, was it because so that was of the already, mask? No, that was that okay. Was planned. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, that would suck. <laughs> Go to yeah. Well, like, I mean, your new orders. I was thinking uh, about it like maybe they did it so that you could like start fresh, kind of almost like like a lot of times. And I don't know if they do this everywhere, but like in submarines, we redistribute people that make chief so that they can like s- the people at the command only know them as a chief instead <laughs> of sticking around. Like because I stayed on the submarine I was on cause it was special projects. There's a screening process, blah, blah, blah. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was just thinking maybe they did it to kind of give you like a clean slate to start. Yeah. Like, okay, they, we don't want you to have to overcome with the juniors, the idea that you went to mast. So like to kind of restart fresh, they sent you somewhere else or something. But. Yeah. I mean, it may be a, a one-off thing. Um, they would do that based yeah. on scenario, whatever it is. Um, but for the most part, uh, we only redistribute for any rank. The only one I know of is if you make LDO. Okay. So if you go enlisted officer, y- y'all have LDOs. Yeah. 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 So if you make LDO, they're like, you're now no longer the enlisted community manager. You're now the OCM, like redistribute, send you somewhere. Um, yeah. But no, so it, I already had my orders um, gotcha. already going all that. But, uh, yeah, it just happened. The timing was that way. Um, so it afterwards, so it's like I leave mass, go take off my dress uniform and all that. And then, uh, like the next day, I want to say I had my exit, uh, you know, interview, whatever, sit down with the skipper and sit down with the skipper. I was like, I have nothing bad to say about you. Like, yeah, yesterday we were in there, but like, that's your job. And kind of going back to, you know, where we were talking about JOs and E4s graduating together, like the skipper has a job and yeah. I violated an article It all the proof was there. I admitted to it. Like, yeah, it, he brought me in, he 
read me, you know, 31 Bravos, whatever, uh, gave me the, uh, what's it called, uh, adjudication. And then I was like, all right, like I accept my punishment um, yeah. and walked out the door and then I walked into him and like, it, I still very much respect that CO. It, he, he did his job. So like, how can I be mad right. at someone? How, how can I hold him accountable for the actions I did kind of thing? Um, yeah. So I was able to get over it um, pretty quickly. I mean, this was only three months ago, I think. Um, so I was able to like come to terms with it and then very quickly I'm like, okay, well I'm not going to put on eight, like the board convenes next month, you know, looking back three or four months, um, the board convenes next month. I know my special eval is going to make it there. I know I'm not going to put on. And immediately there was just this massive weight that was like taken off me because for the last 13, 14 years, it's like okay, you make E5, you make E6, like we already talked about, it's pretty much auto-advanced in the community. Mm-hmm. You have your like community-specific warfare boards and qualifications and all that. But if you hit all those qualifications, all those warfares, like you're going to promote because you're the best qualified, you know, sustained, superior performance at sea, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's like, okay, cool, I'm here. And now I'm a chief. And it's like, well, now I need to look to the wicket for senior chief. And it... Uh, and you've talked about this before. It's like, okay, well, I'm in my wicket right now. I'm not milestone complete, but I'm in my wicket now to make eight. And they're like, well, what about senior enlisted academy? What about, you know, the wickets that are going to make you nine and all this stuff? And I'm like, yeah, but like, I'm just now somewhat figuring out this job, which is what the Navy does, what the military does. You know, they promote you it just as soon as you figure out a job and then yeah just as soon as you get good something they're like all right next (laughs) yeah and um and that's like a a really good thing with it where i'm at now is it so you know i show up to new command i check in um you know i sit down with the uh, cmc and do like my check on career development board and all that which fun fact eod does all the same things that Navy does. We're still in the Navy. Like yeah. still do three M still do, you know, career counselor stuff and all that. So I sit down he's like, you know, where, where do you see yourself in three years? Where do you see yourself five years, short term, long term, you know, yeah. all, all the typical CDB stuff. And I'm like, I'm just here to be a chief man. Um, yeah. I'm happy to be here. It, I want to work. I want to do all this stuff. I don't need to be an LCPO. Give that to someone else who, is still on track um, to make eight, to make nine, whatever it is. Um, what do you What do you need done here? That's like I don't need the, you know, like PQS coordinator or Dapper right. or Sapper. I don't I don't need all these things. Just who needs help? What needs help? Kind of thing. And yeah. and there's a lot of freedom in that where yeah. I can just show up. I can do what I want to do. Like in in the avenue that i want to not just hey well we need uh whatever you know command collateral it is it we need this even though you don't like that at all well we need it and it would look good on your eval to make aid or whatever i can just show up and be like well i'm not the guy with this command collateral but i really enjoy financial counseling or i really enjoy this or whatever it is and just help people with that 
Yeah. Um, which is a massive weight um, off your shoulders. Cause even though like going back to like not chasing rank, not doing any of that, but <laughs> we still, you know, want to promote. So even though you're not chasing it, you still have to hit those wickets, Yeah, which is bandwidth that you only have so much time in a day, a week or whatever. Um, so now I don't have to put time and bandwidth towards something that's, you know, searching for a check mark or a ladder uh, requirement. It, you can just show up and just, I'm here for the guys kind of thing. Yeah. Which um, kind of feels like the way it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I can tell you, like, be. yeah, during my department chief tour, I did very little of my actual job. And part of it was what you were just explaining, where it was like, like I had this cob that was, you know, like he was in his mind, I think he was grooming me to be a cob, which is a good thing. I mean, because that's what I said I wanted mm-hmm. to do. Um, and in in part of what like the cob community is, they're pushed to like create cobs. Like they want they want you to like uh to uh like groom and qualify cobs under under you to then go on and relieve, right? But because uh, they're hitting wickets. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, it for sure would be on his eval if I qualified Cobb. So it's like there's some motivation there because he wants to be a CMC and blah, blah, blah. But uh, there was this mechanism of it, too, where it was like he was he wasn't lazy in the sense that like he wasn't doing his job or was trying to pawn off like his job on me but he was like lazy in general so like when he was doing things like like he's a good guy he just like he was kind of lazy and so like when he was doing things like to groom me to be a cob the the uh definition of what that meant to him was probably broader and looser than it should have been to the point where i was doing things i probably shouldn't have been doing and it kind of I kind of felt taken advantage of in a lot of ways. Um, and it got to the point where it was like, I didn't have time. I was doing, I was standing eight hours of dive every day. So I'm like, I'm on watch and then I'm doing all the extra stuff in relation to that. So you can just delete like 10 hours from your day right there from your waking hours. And then it's like, then I have like, I'm the simio, I'm the assistant ships diving officer, which is a major command collateral duty for like qualifying watch standards and stuff. And then I, he would have me like pinch hit for him all the time. So like I'd be like monitoring periscope depth trips, which is like a high risk evolution that I again, like I'm not not qualified to do it, but it's not my job. And if something terrible happens, like you don't want to write an incident report that says you were eating ice cream, <laughs> watching a movie in the mess while CSSCS was monitoring the periscope depth trip. <laughs> and so like. I, you know, I don't know. It was, and it wasn't like he ever taught me how to do it. I was just qualified dive and the assistant ship's diving officer and he trusted me. So it's not like he was ever up there. Like, this is what you should look for. This is how you do it. These are the things that I go brief the CEO about afterwards or whatever, you know, like it was just, Hey, can you go monitor this PD trip while I go to the rack? And I'm like, uh, okay. Are you sure? Like, <laughs> I mean, like I'll do it, but I don't, <laughs> this feels like a trap. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it was it was kind of weird and like I never it was like I never had time to do my actual job and I felt really bad. Like I apologized to 
my LPO on the way out the door because he did a lot of my job legitimately, like was was doing LCPO things because I was never available and he absolutely crushed it. But at the same time, like that kid had the weight of the world on his shoulders and I felt really, really silly about it. Like at, at the end when I looked back and was like, man, like the, I put I put more on you than I should have. And it part of it was like I felt forced to like felt like I had I felt like I didn't have a choice and I probably could have pushed back harder than I did like I did push back but I I could have put my foot down and really just said like no I'm not doing this um, yeah but then I you mean, know there's a it, I wanted to get promoted I wanted to be a cob and so I thought that it, these, this is what I had to do you know it it's I don't know like I go back and forth with that because like it hundred percent like it should that dude have delegated that down to you probably not but i think like your lpo at the time is i mean hopefully he made chief since then like he's probably he's, a he better made, chief he's gonna he he's a first class okay. now but yeah he's yeah, he's, he's he's no gonna doubt he's be gonna be chief. a better chief because of that um because yeah, sure. you put like you say you put the weight of the world on him and like i don't know i'm sure white hats would butcher me for saying this but like whenever i was an lpo i'm like dude i'm doing the chief's job like i would do all this stuff and yeah turn around and like my team chief at the time was a great chief and like it he he gave me what i could handle plus a little bit and he did that yeah. so much and i was like well i'm doing I his <laughs> job and all this stuff and then it was like yeah. um and it, it was weird because I left sea duty as like a quote unquote senior first class. I was in the Navy for like six years, but like yeah. left there, went to but by duty. EOD standards. That's like, a <laughs> yeah. <dinosaur. laughs> yeah. Um, I hope Nick then, listens to this. I'm <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Cause that's just how we go. Right. So I'm like, yeah. Oh dude, like it, I'm going to be putting on the big pin soon. Like you know, old our, like, milestone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, oh, I could do his job and all this stuff. Yeah. And it, it was a, a thing that happened whenever I became a, cause like becoming a chief is a milestone in and of itself. But then being the team chief, like it's so weird. Cause it's you and eight dudes out deployed wherever you're deployed to doing whatever. Yeah. And those eight dudes turn to look to you and yeah. it's you. And I never understood that until, you know, getting ready to go out the door. And it's like, you can never know everything. And it, that's a big right. thing, you know, in the mess is like it, well, why am I so smart as a chief is because I'm not just a chief. I'm the mess and I can reach out to all these other people. Well, whenever there's something that's like a, you need an answer in the next 20 seconds. I'm the only thing you have to like base that off of. So, prior whenever i was lpo and thought i knew everything and all this stuff i was like oh yeah i could do everything i turned around and i was like jack what do i do now like yeah it turned around to the team chief and i was just like i don't know what to do what do i do and he'd just be like, oh, i just do this you'll be fine yeah. and uh you know we would do whatever and we all came back home safe and it fast forward you know five years like now i'm that dude and like yeah now I have eight dudes turn around looking at me. They're like, what do we do now? And I'm like, I don't have a clue. I don't know. Like do this because I know it'll keep you safe. But like, yeah, there's some in between in there. And 
And there's a lot of that that happens, um, you know, it, and that's more central to, I think, the way we work. Because, you know, whenever you guys go out, like you're going out, it you have the entire boat is there. Like, yeah, minus like, you know, those uh, not knee jerk, but quick decisions that you make if you're standing dive or wh- yeah. whatever you're doing. Yeah. Like, you do make quick decisions that you have to make on that spot. Yeah, but, but if there's anything, I, gotta, general, I probably have a lot the, more backup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you've got, and I have no clue what standing dive entails or anything like that. But you have someone, you know, driving the boat. You have someone on sonar. You have yep. propulsion. You yep. you have all these different things. And if you say something dumb, yep. there's another chief running another part of that boat that's gonna be like. I don't think so. Well, not even that, man. Like the, we encourage just like, you'll hear submariners say watch team backup a ton. And it's like, if I say something stupid, my planesman will turn around and be like, dive. Are you sure? Like, did you mean this? (laughs) Like, or the chief of the watch is right next to you. So you generally have a first class or a chief sitting that watch and you have the officer deck. So you have like, you have a ton of people around you, but a lot of times if I give an order as dive, my helms and planesman will be the one that is like or they'll say a lot of times the watch team backup will just be like like i'll be doing something and say i just like forget a step and the chief of the watch will be like dive recommend doing this and or that's helms and planesman will be like dive recommend you know increasing speed or something like that based on how the ship's handling or their head struggling maintaining depth the way i'm telling them to or like yeah it's you get a lot of backup in that not just from above or like from peers it's like a lot of it comes from junior guys yeah, and I mean, it, don't get me wrong. It <clears throat> we always say the the smartest dude in the truck could be your junior dude, um, <clears throat> and it you know we keep three to four guys in a truck, and you could have your most junior dude in there with me as the most senior guy in the team. Yeah, um, we could be in there, and like the junior dudes, like, why are we going to do this? Can we just do this? And it's like, it's definitely a thing. Like, listen to everybody because just because you have the most tenure doesn't mean you have the best idea in this specific situation. Um, so we do that as well. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, but just kind of like the, the weight of the chief is only on the chief, like going back to like your LPO, like you said, you know, he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. Um, but he still had you there to back him up whenever he needed. Right. And I think that's what, is going to make him a better chief because he was able to operate as a chief without the weight of being a chief at the yeah. time. And then could always turn around and kind of just be like, I don't know. I don't have anchors. Yeah. Um, I'm learning and you could be there to back them up. Um, so I think it, it, you know, not good that, you know, your cob, it kind of delegated stuff down that he may or may not shouldn't have. I don't, Again, yeah. I've never been on a boat, so I don't know. Um, but I think it would, I think fast forward another four or five years, that LPO will definitely appreciate it, that he was able yeah. to operate at that level. I, I think, yeah, because I think it was like what he could handle plus a lot of it. But like it was, he definitely handled it though. And like, I mean, there were some moments where he frayed a little bit and then I kind of realized like, oh damn, like I need to like, kind of power this down a little bit or get him some help or whatever. But like I pushed him a little too hard a few times and it was, 
it was kind of out of necessity because I wasn't saying no enough and I wasn't like putting my foot down, but also like when, when I saw him go, when I saw it going too far, I dialed it back. So, but yeah, I can tell like, even I can tell you like the, the analogy really in my mind is like it, even though I felt taken advantage of, um, by that cob and like some of the stuff was probably inappropriate. Had I gone back as a cob, I would have been way more prepared as a result. Like nothing went terribly mm-hmm. wrong, but I had experience that a lot of guys other probably wouldn't have. And I think that's the way he thought about it. So like when I say I felt like I was being taken advantage of, it was more like a um like I, I wanted to spend more time with my guys and I was getting constantly pulled away and I felt like they were treating me like I didn't have a real job that I had to go do. <laughs> like, so we're just going to make them do all this other stuff that's important to us. And it was harming my division. Um, but I think in his mind, he was, he was just doing what he was supposed to be doing. Like he was preparing me to be a cob. Like, so I don't think there was like really, I don't think it was malicious at all. Um, there's a few things that were like he were just straight up him taking advantage of me. And he told me as much because he was just bad at like admin and stuff. And I'm really good at it. So I was like writing his evals and awards and stuff. And I wrote a CMC package at one point. But it's just because I had a I'm like the guy from uh Black Hawk Down where they're like like you and McGregor where they're like uh, I have a particular set of skills like where I, <laughs> he can he can type so he was like the guy that was stuck on admin I was like the guy that could English so yeah. I got stuck doing all the admin unfortunately wrote a bunch of like command instructions and stuff which is hilarious because I'm the cook chief I'm supposed to be the dumb guy but <laughs> joke's on you nerds uh, that's funny so like how do you like how is it change because like you, you kind of mentioned it generally as far as like the the weight being lifted off your shoulder but like like how is it in like practical application on a daily basis like what are some of the ways that it's changed the way that you do your job as far as like your interactions with sailors and stuff because it's like like we talked a little bit earlier and it's like you could still get promoted so there is that like possibility it's not like it's completely off the table but at the same time like the idea that it like there's that that weight lifted because there's probably going to be like a lag there. So it's like, how is it, how have you felt it like, uh, affect like your actual interactions with people and like the way that you do your job as a chief? It, it, that's kind of, I don't know the, the specific command I'm at now, it's kind of weird because it, as a dude who's been a chief for three years, like, yeah, um, a junior guy at this command. Um, okay. It, we're just kind of a very one-off command where we don't have junior sailors. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, that much. <clears throat> but even then, like it's, it to take away like the junior sailor aspect of it. Cause I have still done a few things one-off for, you know, junior sailor that I know from back home, junior sailor that works yeah. at a, a command that I was previously attached to just happened to be TAD to our command here for a little bit. Minus those like one-offs, like I don't have a day-to-day thing other than now uh, kind of nerding out on making the command better as a whole um, because I don't have like the junior sailor. So it's like, where can I put my time? Where can I put my effort? Um, so it's like, okay, well, the training department could benefit from this the ops department can 
benefit from this or what whatever it is. Um, so now I've kind of been put my efforts that way, I guess. It's not really like a, a chief and a leadership side. It's more just because of the environment I'm in. Yeah. It's more of a chief and a administrative, uh, lack of a better term, administrative way. Do you um, find yourself like, because there was always this thing where like in the mess, there were times, like I was always a very vocal guy, but there were times where I kind of decided maybe I shouldn't die on this hill or, or like, and so there were times where later I kind of felt like, I should have anyway. And and that might just be my own, like, um, I don't ego pride, like bluster, whatever you want to call it. I don't even know what you would call it where it's like, I just, I'm like the way I'm wired is like, I feel like I should die on every hill. Like I should just fight every fight because at least I went down fighting. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's probably not accurate, but I still have that like sting if I don't. And then, like, so have you, have you found, um, like in just normal interactions in like a mess function within that, like, uh, within the construct of just like, I don't know, like CPOA or just regular mess functions and like mess meetings or whatever role you're playing in that mess. Have you found that you're more willing to be vocal because there's not really any, you know, downside? Uh, I mean, I, I'm probably not the best person to ask cause I feel like you and I would just go tit for tat in a mess meeting <laughs> and fuel each other. Cause probably it, my, my thing is like, is this a hill I'm worth dying on? Yes. It, if, if it's worth bringing up, I'm willing to, you know, fall on that hill kind of thing. Um, it's spending. So to answer your question is I'll, you know, it, I'll run up any hill there is. I'll die on that hill. It, I don't care. Right now, I think it's more time can be spent attacking the hill tactfully and properly um, mm-hmm. than before. And some of that is definitely you know tenure and being around a little bit more, learning from lost battles kind of thing. Um, yeah. But now, I can instead of you know just like. Oh, well, you said this. Let me immediately come back and yeah. Let me come off the top you. rope. It's like yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, rather than sticking to like top rope Tuesdays and just coming off the top rope every day, like uh, now I can be like, okay, it, I took in what you said, and now I'm going to go spend forty hours this week proving how you're wrong. Um, yeah. Which I don't, I don't know if that's really a result of. Um, you know, my experience going through mass and just having that weight lifted off. I think it's more tenure. Yeah. Just um, like maturity from having done it. Yeah. And I think if, cause it's so easy for senior enlisted to tell junior enlisted, like, Oh, it's not a hill worth dying on. Like, oh yeah. yeah. Don't worry. Pick your battles. Like that whole spiel. It, it's not pick your battles. It's choose your battles educatedly. And yeah. come, come with education, come with documentation, come with instructions, whatever it is like, right. Pick every battle you can win. Don't choose your battles based off of anything out of that. Like pick a battle you can win based on like non-biased material yeah. 
dude. That you've gathered <laughs> that's better for everyone around yeah, you. Yeah, you're, you're speaking my language because I've always been a big like instructions nerd because mm-hmm. like there's a lot of power in being right, like objectively. Like here's the book and it says this, and so it's like I've won a lot of battles, even like like little things. Like I started young too, man. Like I was like. Every time uh, when I was a second class on my first shore duty, every time advancement results would come out, I'd make all my watch section like junior juniors, like the seamen and the third classes print out their profile sheets. And then I would calculate, recalculate everything. I'd be like, go get me these evals. Go get me this. Go get me this. And I'd recalculate all their points. And on more than one occasion, I got guys promoted because their profile sheets were correct. And I'm like, I do all the math right out of the advancement manual and be like, boom, you're, you were missing three points. Go tell chief, you know, and they'd submit the correction letter and the guy's in second class now. And so, like, I started at a real young age, like throwing the book in people's faces and just like there's a lot of power in being factually accurate and like knowing the policy and knowing like because uh, when I was a career counselor, I had a cob tell me to my face that um, the score program wasn't real. And it was it's like select. I don't know if it still is, but it's like selective conversion, something for reenlistment. And basically it was like I had two cooks that wanted to cross rate to different flavors of CT, like crypto stuff. And they're like, yeah, no, that's not real. You're not going to be able to do that. And everybody just kept telling them no. And we, they, we had gotten to the point where it was time for them to reenlist. And they're like, no, I'm getting out of the Navy because I don't want to be a cook. I want to be a CT. I'm like, well, hang on. Your chief happens to be the command career counselor. Let's see if we can figure this out. And so I got in the books and found the score program. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna try this. And the cop's like, no, nah, that's not real. You can't do that. Like, that's not real. And I'm like, okay, well, the Milpers man says it's real. So I'm going to go ahead and submit the package. And Millington can tell me no. And they didn't. And now both of them are CT chiefs. And so I'm just like, eh, it turns out like <laughs> turns out the program's not only real, but uh, now those two guys were retained and they went where they were not only needed, but where they were, were going to get the like fulfillment out of doing this job. And now they're both CT chiefs. And I'm like, that's like, uh, I'm like, I hang my hat on that one. That's one of the ones where I'm like, yes. Like, so that's why I always advocate for that, man. Like open the book, like be aware of the policy procedure, whatever. Yeah. The one, the one caveat I'll say that because it, I mean, I'm sure you have more stories as well on that and same with me. However, I also have multiple stories where I threw the book at someone and they're like, gotcha. You didn't know about this book. Oh yeah. yeah. So, it, the one caveat I'll say is 100% everything you said for sure. But go talk to someone behind a closed door that's more senior, smarter, more tenure, whatever it is, like than you, yeah. and be like, hey, this is what I'm about to pitch. What do you think? And they'll be like, oh, well, you didn't look at this random right, yeah, nav yeah. admin that came out seven years ago, but you didn't yep. know about that because you didn't even know nav admins were a thing back then. Yeah. Like, um, so that, that's the one caveat I would say, cause it's definitely got me in trouble where I've been like, I've sat down like it being YouTube lawyer kind of thing. Like, yeah. all right, I have the best argument ever. And then I go <laughs> in there like, nope, caveat, you know, yeah. and just stiff arm you right in the face. Yeah. Um, and I'm dunking on you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's the, the one caveat with that, but for sure, like, it, mm-hmm. and that's, um, we talked about a little bit earlier, like it. Hey, you know, someone is saying something, someone's doing something, you don't agree with it. 
let's get smart on whatever they're saying. Like it, the Navy is written around instructions. Like yeah, it, as much as I hate it, like it, <clears throat> so during a 3M inspection, it, I got booted in the face by chief whenever I was like the work center soup as an E5. And yeah. they came in, it was like a, I think it was an ISIC inspection mm-hmm. and they're like, what safety applies to this check? And the check, I mean, of course, like we're setting ourselves up for success. I'm like, there's no safety. It was just pull out a binder, make sure a piece of equipment was still in calibration. And uh, she comes back. She's like, well, how'd you walk over there and pull the binder out, open up the page and show me that this is safe. I'm like, you know, being an arrogant E5, I was like, oh, well, I just, duh, like don't trip over something. She's like, how do you know not how to trip over that? And then she pulled open the safety manual, the 5100, 19, 23, whichever one it is. Um, and she's like, right here, like chapter, and I'll I'll never forget it. It's like she opened it up. I'm pretty sure it was chapter four. And she's like, this is how you walk through a space. I'm like, wow. that's a thing? <laughs> like, a book for how to, yeah, I mean, what? dude, yeah, I was, I was thinking it when you said there's an instruction for everything. Like, there really, there's an instruction for everything, including how to make a grilled cheese, kids. So, like, <laughs> ask me how I know. There's definitely a book for everything. It's crazy. <laughs> exactly. And it. So whenever something's not going your way, you know, it find find the instruction, but then talk to someone else and then, you know, research it. And it, I mean, a really good friend of mine, he put on LDO and mm. it says specifically in our instruction, not waiverable. You're over 16 years. You will not, you know, be eligible for this. So he went around, he talked to some smart people. He's like, yeah, there's no waiver. But if there's not a waiver, ask for an exception of policy. Yep. Put in the exception of policy. He's no three now. Like, yeah, it, I and, that's my make them say no mantra, dude. Like when it comes to programmatic stuff, there's a waiver for everything. And if it's not a waiver, it's an exception of policy, which is basically a waiver. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like ask anyway and make them tell you no. And then if they tell yep. you no, it is what it is. And like, I want it to be the final no from the correct people. But like, yeah, I, I, every time everybody's said like, oh, you can't do that. Well, where does it say I can't? And like, even then sometimes like, cause like when I submitted my retirement stuff um, and it was like a little dumb thing, but they approved it even though I submitted it not in accordance with the instruction. And it's just like, they don't, they don't care. It's a bunch of humans yeah. there in Millington. And they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever, close enough. And they just approve it and go home. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, it, um, it, other than that, it, the, I guess the, the one more thing, it, cause you, you spent one tour or two as a instructor. One. So I okay. was a instructor for, so I was there for three years. The last year I was the SEL, but I, so I didn't teach much. Um, but I, I basically went like one year as an NMTI slash LCPO there. And then one year on the podium teaching the CSA school side. And then I took over as SEL and just kind of like pinch hit it as needed instructing. Okay. It, uh, cause that was, it's something I've heard you talk about before. It was like different A school stuff and mm-hmm. there's chief season there across the board. There's like leadership stuff as a whole, um, that needs to come into the Navy, the military, whatever. Um, yeah. but <clears throat> something, 
it so i taught for four years three and a half years there was a hurricane mm. in there so we essentially didn't show up for three months straight because the base was legitimately closed to anybody that wasn't first responders um mm. which was super interesting yeah. uh but <clears throat> teaching there at dive school that's like our equivalent to like super a school yeah. uh so our a school is strung out over realistically two schools but mm. more like six schools um yeah. which again chief nick explained on, yeah uh, yeah uh a sessions pipeline um so i was like the being at dive school you're the initial like hey, we're going to teach you how to do something that is EOD, which is the mobility skill set of diving. Mm. So we don't teach anything explosives, anything about how to dive on explosives or anything like that. We are just teaching you how to dive. Right. Um, so being there, like the first few years, it's like, okay, it, my job is to teach how to dive. And I ended up being there with a few other like really good dudes <clears throat> who... If anybody's listened to this who went through my first couple years there, sorry for <laughs> the instructor yeah. I was because I was that guy. Um, but whenever it came to like my last two years there, it's <clears throat> okay. Our job is to teach them how to do that. But we're first classes. We're like in the Navy, like a first class, like especially from the Chiefs, from the O's, like we almost look down on them like oh well they're still junior enlisted yeah which per the navy yes they are but whenever you look at initial accessions like this dude came out of boot camp a week ago yeah and now he's seeing you like a first class is a god to them yep. they're like yeah it, and it it took so long for that to kind of settle in and you know we have our cms or course master documents or schedule yeah. all that kind of stuff um but something we started doing is uh like hey this is what finances are this is what the navy is and we would just open up uh like uh quick links on mm -hmm. my navy portal and just kind of briefly click through it which yeah none of us like going on my navy portal none of us like doing right because like if you go on my Navy portal, why do you go there to do e-learning to do some yep. GNC <laughs> that you don't want to do? Um, but we opened it up and specifically avoided that because no one likes that. So it's like okay, well here's the Navy e-library. You can get yeah. like some like thirty thousand books for free. Yeah, it's like audio books. Yeah. You get free Chilton manuals to fix cars. You get all kinds of it, cool stuff there. So much stuff on there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> pulled up like the finance side, pulled up. Uh, it I always revert back to finance because that's what I enjoy. Um, but like pulled up all these other things. And it was like, here is a generic snapshot of what is available to you. Um, you know, went into TA a little bit, uh, mm. like tuition assistance, all that stuff. Went into... Uh, and then like deep dove again, it, I gravitate towards the finance side is whenever dudes show up to a uh, boot camp, they're like, Hey, you need a bank account so we can direct deposit stuff for you. Which yeah. Some kids never had a bank account, which yeah. we forget about being on this side. And then they're like, Hey, there's this thing. It's called the TSB. 
you can put money in or not. There's traditional, there's Roth and cool. Click one, send it on, yep. the, you know, like P day lifestyle. Um, so like we brought that up and it's like, here's a compounding interest calculator. If you put a hundred dollars a month for your 20 year career, this is what you'll have. If you put a thousand dollars a month, this is what you'll have, like, which is more than they're making at the time, but right. just giving them like the, um, essay of what that is. Cause looking back, like no one truly, everyone was like, yeah, you should save or you should do this or right. you should read a book or whatever it is, but no one truly sat you down and like, no, you really need to yeah. do this like yeah those classes and, in boot camp i mean i was sleep deprived and mm-hmm. they barely spent they spent more time trying to teach me like rates and ranks than they did to, to explaining tsp like i signed up for it because i'm like well i have no idea what this is but i'm just gonna sign up for it and put the lowest number i can and then i'll just figure it out later yeah and <laughs> like, it was like because they gave you like i don't know how it is now but like in our day like they would give you like a at&t calling card with like a yeah. hundred minutes yep. on it for yep. like doing something right. <laughs> yeah. They're um, not handing me my cell phone cause there was no such thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Like, I think it, cause you talk a lot and we hadn't really had a chance to talk about it, but like the leadership side of it from the senior junior enlisted, like the senior second classes, first classes. Yeah. And then the khakis, like it, you should, as that person like you're paid to do a job and you've already learned your job for the most part minus you know some senior stuff like it you are proficient in your rate like you're proficient in the job you're supposed to perform for the navy now you need to be a leader yeah it's easy if i throw a pqs book at you and tell you to learn this pqs over the next year two years whatever get qualified whatever that looks like it's easy to do because you have references, you have signatures you have to get, you have people you have to sit down with. Um, but on the leadership side of it, it's like you just need to sit down and get to know each individual, figure out their problems, and then share your experience. Or And you've talked about it before whenever you brought in dudes for like uh, CPO 365, like your yeah. prior cob and stuff, like it bring in dudes who can talk to it better than you if you know you're not you know maybe the right person and i think that's something that we don't need a i mean do we need a navy program for it sure it would help it would give us a building block of where we could go from there but we're there as leaders now like yeah be the leader and just sit dudes down and whether it's like the 365 model, whether it's just talk about whatever you enjoy, um, just sit people down and start talking or facilitate the conversation that allows other people to talk. And that's how you like facilitate a, or foster a environment where everyone can come together and it'll grow on its own. Like, once you create that environment, that environment's there and it'll continue to go. And I don't know it, I think it, and I'm trying to remember like back to a few of your previous podcasts where you've talked about before, like 
you know, we need something like whenever sailors come into the Navy and all this stuff. It's like the answer is we already have it. We're just not allowing them to do it. It's the first classes, um, the chiefs and all that. Sort of. Yeah. I mean, like in a way. The, the, yeah. Well, so you're you're right in that the there's a certain component of it that's always going to be the people that are like attached to them and whatever capacity they're you know like assigned in the navy right like we're at whatever they're doing there's always going to be a supervisory element that is there and should be there and involved in their mentorship and development but right now we basically put all of it all the weight is on you to develop them as leaders because like the i mean before it was this command delivered garbage uh like with po indoc and everything and then they're rolling out the the eld stuff and even that it's like they're putting it on the shore duties to kind of like facilitate it in groups so that operational units can just send their sailors away to do it which is a lot it's a big improvement but then it's still not fully rolled out and operational in a way that is providing that that capacity to the entire fleet and it's so it's like there needs to be this detached mechanism that is is kind of taking the burden of doing it off the shoulder of that chief first class second class whatever so that all you need to do is on a daily basis be involved meeting their needs doing that like daily leadership function but it's like you can't possibly effectively develop every single one of your sailors no matter how small your division is as leaders themselves while also self-developing while also meeting all the operational requirements of your mission and and command and everything it's like there's just not enough hours in the day so it's like the the part that i have a huge issue with is that the organization needs to take the burden of educating them off of the shoulders of those like frontline leaders so that all you're responsible for is Providing you a good example, mentoring, supervising, training, right? Which I say all you're responsible for. That's still a lot. But it's like my primary duty as a lead, as a leading chief or a leading petty officer or whatever is making sure they have everything they need to do the job. Like it, it, ostensibly, I'm not the one doing the mission anymore the majority of the time, if at all. I'm the one making sure that the people doing the mission have everything that they need. They're equipped, they're trained, they're supervised, they're whatever, you know, like all their needs are met. And it's like, that's still a big task. And so if we're going to put educating them and me on top of that, it's like, that's insane. And it's like, it's also like, like I want to use the word impossible, but it's, it's probably not entirely accurate because there are people that can do it. Right. But like, if we look at it at an institutional level, like we're like at the like Navy wide view, right? It's like the majority of the people in leadership positions were never properly educated on how to be a leader. Some of it, some of them figured it out. Like they happened upon outstanding mentors. They self-studied, they, um, you know, did a combination of, of the, of the two, right? Like maybe it was self-study just by like reading and podcasts and stuff. Maybe they literally educated themselves. So like Andrew that does all the foundations episodes for him, he's got a degree in organizational leadership. He went and figured it out on his own, you know? And it's like, if we had people like him in a schoolhouse somewhere or a bunch of somewheres that are like 
building that foundation for you, educating you so you have all the tools that you need and then sending you out to do the job, then yeah, you can start developing these junior people. But like that never happens. Like usually they wait until you're a senior chief or literally a senior chief before you're going to the senior enlisted academy. And, And when you get to that point, in my opinion, the majority of those people are have already like the, all their negative behaviors and behaviors in general have been validated through promotions and awards to a point where you're not going to teach that old dog many new tricks. You know, like there, there are people that go there that are hungry for knowledge. Um, but I, the majority of those people were there checking a box um, it, to so promote with, with that it, I, I definitely agree with what you said with the dependency of essentially admirals like who runs the navy it's the flag Mm -hmm. officers like you need someone to implement a program who does that it's a flag officer who signs off on it so it while everything you said a hundred percent should the navy have it yes the fact that we don't is just mind-blowing but we don't have it and it minus a program standing up because the ELD like that's a rev one fix to me right like, all right this is something get it out there produce it yeah COVID kind of messed with it but it's out there let it develop and then mm-hmm. come in and revamp it as necessary in yeah the- I think it was getting your getting their foot in the door because like funding I'm sure is a huge part of the conversation so they like this is what we could get funding for so it's like- <laughs> yeah but in the interim which sucks because I know it takes away from it all right so caveat it, the mission first thing it I preach that during season because I feel like a lot of the um, season topics end up going down these rabbit holes and I'm like none of this matters if the mission isn't like completed like that mm-hmm. is our job as a navy marine corps air force army it it doesn't matter what branch you are like the job is the mission yeah um so to take away from the mission side it i acknowledge the mission is an entirely other conversation um but then coming into the the leadership aspect which i hate to put it on like the term leadership because it's overused here and there. Um, I still think there's ways to facilitate some type of discussion um, at the chief level, senior chief level, maybe even into like the JO level, like intermixing everybody together in a room. And a, a big thing to me is like processes and it read aheads whatever you want to call it, but like, uh, have you read the four hour work week? Yep. Yeah. So like something like that, right? So yeah. four hour work week, like that book just like opened my, I'm like, yeah, why blew am I my working mind. all yeah. these <laughs> crazy things whenever I could just like do one, you know, one hour of work up front and alleviate 10 hours yep. every week for the rest of my life. Um, so it's like, it, you could just be like, hey, everybody, like book club kind of thing. Yeah. It, yeah. Hey. No, I, I think you're on to something as far as like there are because when I say like we should have this like institutional educational process, like I don't think it's realistic to say like, yep, we're going to ship everybody off to a brick and mortar like university somewhere and like teach them all this leadership stuff. It's like I think it is much more realistic 
for us to be utilizing podcasts and YouTube videos and, mm-hmm. and yeah, read this book and we'll discuss it and like stuff like, like you've got essays all over USNI. You've got a ton of mechanisms that we could use, but you, a lot of it could be done via Blackboard, which is Senior Enlisted Academy does some of that like, yep. and has for years. Um, I think a lot of the structure is already there and like through this Navy Community College thing that they're standing up. Um, like there's so many ways to accomplish it. But I think you can do it in a way where it's like, I, like kind of like they're tr- they're trying to do with, um, like the I mean, really ham handed like execution, but like the Navy app locker and like how they're talking about they they're trying to like put everything in the palm of your hand and and bring it to you and make the accessibility take away a lot of like the required input on the behalf of uh, like on the sailor, right? Like I, you can get on my Navy portal on your phone if you set it up and do mm-hmm. whatever you need to do. And it's like with CAC free access. And so it's like, not a lot of people know that because they've done a kind of a garbage job of rolling it out and it is kind of cumbersome to set it up. But it's like, if they could get to a place where that kind of stuff is available, where it's like, there's podcasts, YouTube videos, a reading list, just like a structure put together where there's maybe there's a Navy community college app where like i i've literally sat in a one of those display couches in costco and done my homework for my online college (laughs) through an app on my phone and so it's like the technology's there it's just the navy needs to catch up and find ways to use it and i feel like a lot of the stuff that we're trying to do on our own you could just outsource like we're we're building the navy community college and i don't know how they're doing it so maybe that they're already doing it the way that i'm just but like I would have just signed a contract with a, a university that already does this. Here's a check for a whole bunch of money. I want you to administer this leadership development program or whatever they're going to do. Um, Cause I know they're doing some like technical stuff too, but the, yeah, the it, point being the two, yeah, that like, like the, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say to get back to what you said. Like I, I really, I have this really firm belief that like, so you're saying like, yeah, well, the missions first, that's the important part. And I agree with you, but I think like leadership development being neglected in the way that it is, is directly harming mission accomplishment. Like, I, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's subtle. <laughs> like, I don't think there's like in, in a, any small measure that it's, it's like, cause like, like, so the most public recent case, like look at the G dub, right? Like how much time are they spending working through their overhaul period when they have all this other crazy stuff going on? And I'm not like, I, who knows what the actual cause is and I'm not pointing fingers at leadership, but I think there's a leadership problem somewhere. And then you look at like a bunch of other, like you look at a lot of the public cases that happen where it's like, you know, all over the cover of the Navy times or whatever, where, we're not being an effective warfighting unit if we're distracted by all these acute issues that are happening. And so, well, why do we have all these acute issues? And almost universally, when you drill down to a root cause, it's a leadership problem. And it's like, that's what I, I get frustrated about the most is like, if we spent time educating and preparing leaders for the types of situations that they're going to encounter, they're not going to be these like, metric focused robots that are just like preaching mission accomplishment which while i agree it's like the our prime directive 
it's being harmed by the idea that this isn't an organization built of people and those people need to be treated like people and they need the the needs that human beings have to be met in order to function in a way that we need for optimal mission accomplishment and it's like it it's like we're putting the the you know horse before the carriage or the carriage before the horse whatever you know what i mean garbage yeah, analogy it, but so like it, to to kind of i don't know, put you on the spot here it what is the mission of the u.s navy to bur- kill people and break their shit like to, yeah, to that, project okay, power so, and you know like <laughs> god okay you're getting there it so it like the and i'm gonna butcher this so don't quote me but like, oh, yeah. the the mission of the u.s navy is to protect sea lanes to protect mm-hmm. freedom of the sea i think is the quote of it yeah i mean i've read the all those like high level policy document things and like it i never read that as like a high level policy i read that as like history is like okay post-world war ii this is what we became this is who we are and all that kind of stuff so now you take that and it whether that is or is not our mission that's what i believe our mission is is uh projection of sea power and protecting those sea lanes how do we do that whenever you look at it from the higher level it's with ships at sea right we put ships off somalia we put them in the south china sea we put Mm -hmm. them i mean nowadays in the mediterranean with ukraine and all that stuff going on like that's how we do it agreed in end of discussion for the very higher level people, you know, right. the three, Which, four stars, Pentagon, all those people. How do those ships stay at sea? Sailors. Like, yeah, people. And, and that's, and it to kind of come back around to your point, it's the people are the ones who keep those ships at sea. Right. The ship just doesn't magically stay at sea for right. 10 month deployments. Like looking back to, I mean, the carriers are, from what I know, it carriers are one of the worst off because that's yeah. the easiest way to project power. It subs right. are just like, no one knows you're there. So everything's good. And I, yeah, it, there's such a loss, I think from the super high level leadership down to kind of where, like we're at is yeah. the people run these ships and you're running the people into the ground. Like, Right. The ships always get run into ground. Like that's why, you know, they come back and sit in dry dock for years and get rebuilt right. and all that kind of stuff. But when do you take a sailor and throw a sailor in dry dock and right. rehold a sailor? Never. It's like, oh, you just came back from a 10 month deployment. Well, your PCS is up. Your ship's in dry dock. This ship just came out of dry dock. Yep. You were already at sea. You're qualified. Go right back yep. out. And yeah. now you're back out on a, another 10 month deployment because yep. that's what the Navy needs. Um, and I just, <clears throat> in between all of that is to like buzzword it is like the deck plate, deck plate leadership is the junior officers, the chiefs, the senior first classes. Those are the dudes who keep the guys who are really doing the mission going it. Cause like you said before, like, We don't, as chiefs, we don't do the mission as much anymore. Like 
we're not turning wrenches every day. Sure, right. do we show up and turn a wrench or do whatever's needed here and there? Yeah. If someone doesn't know how to do something, do we come in and tell them a little bit here and there and just kind of facilitate them fixing whatever they're fixing or doing whatever they're doing? Sure. The dudes who run the Navy are the E5s. Like, <clears throat> they are doing and yeah. the seamen, seamen apprentices, like, they're the ones doing everything. They're the ones keeping yep. the rust off of our ships. They're the ones who are, you know, turning the wrenches, standing 12 hour duty down in a engine bay. Like it, that's what I think is lost at the super high level. Yeah. So if, if us at the in-between level can give them something that allows their home life to be better, whether it's financial education uh, college, you know, venues, tuition assistance, whatever it is, some, Hey, it's okay to have some mental issues or depression yeah, or yeah. whatever it is. Like here's some vehicles that I've sought out as me. It's okay to go seek out those vehicles, go get marriage yeah. counseling, go get general counseling, go get whatever it is. And that's just like, I mean, what's really wrong with anyone at home. It's usually money finances that type of stuff or some type of mental or relationship type stuff if if we can facilitate something there that's what our job is as the like middle management type yeah for lack of a better term um and should we have something that the navy's given us 100 percent. yeah it there should be like master course documents there should be yeah blackboard training there should be all that kind of stuff but i can do a look i can give you a book yeah and then we what, can sit around <laughs> in a book club and talk what's about funny it, you know is what I mean? i'm like talking out both sides of my mouth because on one side i don't think it's your job as the chief to like be responsible for plugging that gap but i do agree that um, like what you're saying, like you can do a little and I, you should be doing a little like provide the resource. But then hilariously, for the last seven years, I've spent the lion's share of my free time doing a leadership development podcast while I'm on active duty <laughs> being the chief in the division or the department or whatever. So it's like I, like but that was because a lot for a large portion of that I was also single. Uh, and like now, I mean, I'm married, but I have no kids. So like I, I have probably more disposable time than like a lot of sailors who have children and other commitments, but it's like, and I'm a masochist, but that's another story for another time. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I mean, like, I think there, there are things that people can for sure do um, little, like little things like hand somebody a book, which I do all the time with, I do. I, and like people get cringy about it, but I still think like, cause Jocko is Jocko, but it's like I, extreme ownership is an incredible book. I don't care what anybody mm. says. Like, I know he's turned into almost like a meme in certain ways, but um, I still love like those books. And so I hand those out a lot. Um, and just like, even with chiefs out there that listen to the podcast and or first classes or whoever, and then they're like, Hey, go listen to this podcast. It's like, that was the point is so that there's a resource. It's like, I've spent all this time building this resource so that people have somewhere to go because they didn't before. I'm also the idiot that like puts these ridiculous burdens on myself 
to like, oh, I'll just fix it myself. Like, and you know, that's what I'm trying to do. But also I've, you know, been in mental health counseling for 18 months for anxiety and yeah. insomnia. So there you go. Um, yeah, man. Like I, I agree with what you're saying for sure. And I, I do think that people need to take a way more active role in doing it, not just for their sailors, but for themselves. Like I, cause I don't think there's a lot of recognition by chiefs in particular, um, that they need to be developing themselves. Like they think, Oh, I made chiefs. So I've arrived a lot of the times and it's like, mm-hmm. uh-uh, no, you haven't. And even like all the way up through the CMC level, like I see a lot of guys out there doing the professional reading and listening to the podcast and stuff, which is great. Not just mine, but like a bunch of other stuff. But, um, I, in my, in, my experience like in messes i didn't see a lot of it so i think i'm just i'm in the orbit of a lot of people that do it because it's what i'm doing like is provide you know i mean i'm providing a resource so the people i'm interacting with are usually consuming it or they're doing their own thing or whatever like creating their own resource but yeah i think uh having a way more active role in providing just little things like that i mean how hard is it to text one of my podcasts to somebody or how hard is it to send like an amazon link to a book or hand them a book, which, you know, it costs a few bucks, but I mean, I have a stack of those books and I just like, when I feel the need exist in some sailor I'm interacting with, I just grab a copy and bring it into work with me the next day. And I'm like, hey, read this book. Like, I think it'll help a lot. And they usually do because it was a gift. So they feel like obligated to read it. <laughs> and then they're like, oh man, this is amazing. But you know, he's got a podcast too. And like a Ted talk and <laughs> so much crap on the internet that it's like, if you don't like reading, just go listen to it. But yeah and i i think that's a a thing too like it if if you throw a book at someone a podcast at someone whatever if if they listen to it read it uh they're gonna come back and talk to you about it yep there there's gonna be like a great conversation there yeah and i think that's the thing with like what you're doing here um which it shout out to you for sure like it i super appreciate what you're doing on here and it thanks man i've i've thrown your podcast to so many dudes um from dudes i was deployed with who are reservists who have learned from it um to dudes on the teams platoons whatever um you know coming up for chief just in general uh dudes from outside the community trying to learn about the community uh going back to chief nick's podcast like yeah. It what what you push out, it it's so easy to spend an hour or two talking about something and then thousands of people can hear that it whatever it is, whether it relates or it doesn't relate. If one doesn't relate, the next one or the one previous will. Um yeah. and that I don't know, that's a, a super good venue, which then puts you in a great spot where you are the company you keep. Um, and now like no one listens to your podcast if they don't want to be a better leader. Like, yeah, no one's like, oh, I'm going to spend two hours listening to <laughs> yeah. you know, this or that. <laughs> I sure hope not. Like I <laughs> like, hope somebody's not torturing themselves by yeah, listening to the sound I mean, of my voice if they don't want to be a better leader. And if they do, rough. like maybe they'll pick up something. And yeah, decide maybe they'll pick up like, something on involuntarily. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, but no, it's you. It like going to the Jocko thing. He just has like the massive uh, following yeah. that he does. He has his books and all that, which I've read all of his books. It there's there's a lot of good takeaways from it. 
um, I have to skip a bunch of stories and pages, but there's a lot of good information there. I listen yeah. to his podcast, follows YouTube and stuff. Yeah. Um, there's so much good information out there. If, if you're not, uh, like ingesting all of that material as a leader, you're wrong. Like it, yeah. everybody has a drive to work. You can listen to a podcast and audio book, right. whatever, whether it's a 30 minute drive, an hour drive it there, there's always downtime. Um, and that was it, a big thing with me, like it reading a book, like, I made a pack last year, read a book a month. I need to read 12 books this year. I ended up reading like 30 books or something like that. Nice. But once you make the point to do something, it's just like a diet, a workout plan, whatever it yeah. is. Once you make that like a uh, structure to it, then you're going to do it. But then if you surround yourself with, well, instead of listening to the same 30 song playlist, why work out or drive to work, whatever, I'm going to throw one podcast in a week or one a month even. And before you know it, your one a month in January became three a month. And then before you know it, you're midsummer and that's all you listen to now is yep. podcasts. And you're like running out of podcasts to listen to because you've listened to a hundred D guts or, you know, whatever. Yeah, dude, I, I do that with like, um, I just got into Andrew Huberman cause he was on, some other po- he's like a neuroscientist that talks about all this cool stuff like um and like then i got like i'm trying to think of some of the other i'm listening to like a jujitsu one because i started doing jujitsu a year ago and there's this guy that i watch on youtube for like he does like technique stuff and like coaches but then he started a podcast and then i subscribed to him and like yeah i mean it, it i got cracked out on it and i like audiobooks yeah. a lot too because i do want to read a lot but I have like a sleep, I have sleep apnea, like you wouldn't believe. And then like the insomnia stuff and all anxiety and all this other BS, which we can get into another time. But like, it, I have a really, I've always had a hard time sleeping for as long as I can remember. And it's gotten progressively worse over like the last decade. It's a long, boring story. But so like when I sit down to read a book, dude, it's like, I get like 10 minutes in and I'm ready for a nap. And I like, I can't, like I have a hard time just sitting there reading because it makes me want to sleep. But if I'm doing something and listening to an audiobook, it's a trade-off because I'm not always a hundred percent zoned in on the book, but like if I'm driving, it's great. And then if I'm doing something like if I'm in here doing on my computer, doing podcast stuff, but not, I don't have to like edit. So I'm not listening. It's pretty good too. Cause you're not doing a ton that requires all your whole attention span. But it's like, I can digest books way faster. And so like, I don't know. You don't got to listen to Jocko. You don't got to listen to me. Just do something like digest something. I like YouTube videos a lot too. Like I'll watch like Ted talks lectures. Mm -hmm. Like I like Jordan Peterson a lot. Like he has like tons of lectures that are like hours and hours long. And for uh, sure. Yeah. There's so much out there. It's like, just find your thing. Like Brene Brown, a big fan of Brene Brown stuff. It's like, there's just so much content that you just got to find what works for you. Because some people like, I'll refer him to Jocko and then they go watch, listen to one of his podcasts and they're like, ugh. And I'm like, yeah, no, he's not for everybody. I get it. But like, he can come on a little strong sometimes. And even I got to take breaks once in a while. But like, there are people out there that you could listen to that are absolutely incredible. And I get referred to people all the time. Like, when I was doing that HT1 podcast, she turned me on to this lady named Sarah Ahmed, which like I haven't digested all her stuff. But the one thing on complaint was pretty interesting where it was like they're just talking about like 
using the existing structures, basically like whistleblowers are going to get persecuted. And here's why it's a really short synopsis of it. It's like when you, when you try to use the existing process to complain about something that like really terrible or wrong that was happening either in the organization or directly to you, it's like, it's kind of built to turn on, to turn on you. And like, it explains a lot of it. It's pretty interesting, but um, anyway, yeah, man, digest things. I like there's so much. Um, dude, any save rounds or alibis, man? Have we got, have we gotten through everything? Uh, yeah, man. It it if everyone's still around after my super <laughs> monotone voice, uh, it's all good. No, I mean the the one thing it's something you just talked about is mm-hmm. you know there's something for everybody. Uh, yeah. mental health is a super super big thing for me. Um, yeah, like I assume it is for you. It is. Uh, it I dabbled here and this is just for everyone listening. Um, it I dabbled in going to see this counselor, this therapist, this all this stuff. And like yeah. I would go in and just be like, what am I doing? Like pulling my hair out um, yeah. constantly. And very much it what you just said, like <clears throat> just like there's, you know, an avenue, a book, an audiobook, all this different stuff for everyone. Like if if you want to do something in the mental health aspect, it's very much a relationship. Yeah. And you can have a therapist that's amazing and you can have a therapist that just doesn't fit you. It's yeah. very, very much a relationship. If you show up and it making the step to show up to any mental health, anything is already a massive step. So you've already taken that step. Right. Um, continue on until you find the person that fits you. Um, it, you just kind of what you had said there kind of re yeah, that up. Is, I've heard that a lot, man. And like, I must have just gotten spectacularly lucky because the first guy I talked to initially, I like I walked in. He's a lieutenant that looks like he's 12 years old. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> this probably isn't going to work, but I'll give yeah. him the benefit of the doubt. And he's yeah. amazing. And I love him. I've been seeing him for 18 months and he's. <laughs> he's outstanding and so like i i had heard a bunch of people like as as i was telling people like that i had started going and they're like everybody that i had experience with it was like yeah just don't if you got to go see 20 of them just do whatever you got to do until you find the right fit blah 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 and like it's okay to like say this isn't working i want to try somebody else and all this other stuff like they almost like everybody had the same experience except me where like i just i don't know i won the therapist lottery with this guy man and he's amazing and so I'm, it, I'm over the moon. Like I, I love talking to him. Yeah. It, and I cannot ex- express that enough. Like it, yeah. It, if you have anything, it, you don't even have to reach out to therapists. You don't have to reach out to, I don't, you can reach out to whoever you feel comfortable reaching out to. And right. I promise that everybody is willing to listen. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't matter who it is. Like it, it, whether it's not to put you on the spot, but whether it's D guts or me or yeah. anyone, which I'll give him, you know, my contact, everyone can reach out to us. We have on the EOD side, we have a Facebook page, which I'm not going to throw their name out. Um, but like we have a Facebook page that has probably 4,000 EOD texts from all four branches who is just yeah. like mental health after you're done talk. And like they have yeah. a phone they have that's awesome uh, email they have everything and it there's 
there's so much stuff out there and there's so many people willing to listen and all that. Um, So, I don't know. That's my closing thoughts. Reach out to whoever you want to. Know that there's always someone else who's willing to listen, talk, whatever it is. And like we talked about earlier, like someone else knows something that maybe you don't. um, Yeah. So they could point you in a different direction here or there. Um, Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, no, give me. Give me like, uh, I don't even know, probably like five or six years. I'm planning on being a psychologist when I get a, when I quit this job, (laughs) we'll go back to school full time. Cause like, that's what I, I kept, uh, it feels like a logical progression. Like the more I studied leadership, the more it was like human psychology. And I was just like, interesting. And then I started seeing a psychologist who coincidentally kept telling me, Hey, you'd be good at psychology. And I'm like, interesting <laughs> i'm like all right maybe i'll check this out because i don't want i don't know what i want to be when i grow up really so yeah, like yeah i'm back, pretty sure in gonna, five years it'll be doctor give me, give me like yeah give me like <laughs> five six years i'll be a, a practicing psychologist awesome. yeah well thanks man this was dope i really appreciate it yeah man for sure appreciate everything you do and look forward to uh listen to future stuff you put out oh yeah all right. I hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, I had a great, great time talking to him. Um, and very, uh, very cool insight. Like it was, it was neat to, cause I've told stories about, uh, a chief that I, I knew that went to mast and, and how, or as a senior chief and how he recovered from it and all those other things. And, but to have somebody like him come on and, and share that, uh, that experience, it, like in something that really happened to him, what he learned from it, how it um, altered his outlook and how it made him better, uh, I think is really instructive. Like it's, it's cool to hear that that can happen and that he dealt with it in the way that he did, took the lessons that he did from it. And, and I think it's a great model for, especially like junior people that think the world's come, like come crashing down when they end up at NJP. Um, it's a lot more recoverable at junior ranks than it is at senior. Um, but also, it's like, like he was saying, it's like at his level, if it, if it happens, it's a lot of people will call it a career killer. Um, you can recover it, but it's a lot more difficult and it takes, it takes a while. Um, so yeah, it's, it was, it was cool. I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really glad he was willing to talk about that. Cause I think it's extremely valuable that, uh, th- that story's out there and that people can, can hear it and learn from it and understand that it not only does it happen, but that you can recover from it. Even if it doesn't mean future promotions, if it just means your outlook shifting and you understanding that you're in a, in a pretty great position to uh, do really, really great work at the chief level or wherever you're at um, for your people. So thought it was really cool. Um, as always, if you need anything from us, hit us up. Don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up the ship podcast, or you can DM us on Instagram or Reddit or Discord at Degas Podcast. Um, you can also reach out to Zip. Uh, I will put his stuff, uh, his contact information in the show notes uh, so you can access him if you have any questions for him or want to reach out and talk about anything or ask him about anything or whatever. Uh, he, he asked me to put his email address in the show notes for that specific purpose. Uh, so that'll be down there. Um, if you want to support us, you can do that by going to the website, dgustpodcast.com. There's a donate button there. 
Patreon's inbound as well, but that's when I have time <laughs> to finish constructing that probably in a few months. And then uh, you can go subscribe to YouTube, review us, share our content, all those other things. And then also for the uh, um, the four profits out of the house, go to Don't Give Up the Ship Apparel. It's dgetsapparel.com. Uh, get some naval pride and heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. I really appreciate uh, if you can support it in any way. That'd be awesome. And that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship. <laughs>